listening to Wide Men Can't Jump on the Wide Men Radio Network located at anchor.fm slash WCMJ. This is a sports podcast based that talks about NBA, football, and anything else that can come to the sports fan mind. We stick to the educated and the diehard fans as well as the casual listener as well. Our show is brought to you by New Taylor & Associates located at newlawoffice.com. You can also check out our wonderful sponsors, Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC, located at facebook.com backslash Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC. Strip Cam Fun also helps bring you this podcast, as well as our sponsors at Stay Classy Meats, where you can use promo code WIDEMEN to save 10% on your order of the freshest meat available in the United States. Now, let's take it over to our host. Here's Nate and Tim bringing you this week's edition of Wide Men Can't Jump. Well, we're back, and uh, apparently there's a commercial playing in the background. <laughs> what a way to start. God, God damn, Jeff. Jeff. Jesus. <laughs> trying, to, trying to go Goldie Auto back there on people. <laughs> Uh, it's wide men can't jump and we're back and we're at full strength this week. We're not, we're not at one man strength. We're at three man strength. It's a trios, the six man tag, whatever you want to call it. It's Tim, it's Nate, it's Jeff. And we're talking all things sports gentlemen. It's, uh, it's been a couple weeks. How's everybody doing? Not everybody at once, please. Jeff, how are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) Seems like I haven't been on here since the Olympics started, and I think that's when it's been. (laughs) Yeah, I think so. And then you jump on here with an NBC commercial in the background. Uh, All's well and good there. (laughs) I'm all about the Olympics. That's true. NBC. (laughs) Tim, how are you up there in the very very warm north? It's another day in the hot bed of... COVID. The great brown north up the there. Brown, yeah. The yard looks like, you know, it's, I don't know, March instead of August. Yeah. Ugh. Or I guess maybe November instead of August. That might be closer to the truth. Everything is dead and brown and gross. <laughs> Make your own jokes on that if you feel necessary. Uh, I don't really want to get pulled by the FCC. I mean, I'm still trying to recover from, uh, I don't know about you guys down where you are, but. That is the worst Olympic coverage in my memory. It was horrible up here. The, ra- the ratings reflected it, too. I mean, so much of not showing what was happening. And then they would cut. I mean, again, I don't know about American coverage. They would they would show what they would. They would tell us briefly, oh, the Canadian athlete finished fifth. All right. Well, fifth is pretty good. I mean, OK, it's not a medal, but. I'd take fifth at best in anything in the world. I, I don't think I'd scoff at that. And they wouldn't show it. And then they'd show us an hour and a half of some athletes from another country. And it's just like, has this got something to do with the fact that maybe there wasn't a whole lot of broadcast teams over there and they're using somebody else's feed maybe? They never really came out and said that, but that's how it felt because we did not see a whole lot of our own countrymen at work. It was pretty pathetic. Well, the thing that, that really hurt, at least over here, in terms of prime time, because of where the Olympics were being held, by the time that, you know, because they always, they the always time. do 
for us, they, they do the swimming, they do the gymnastics. That's our, you know, NBC prime time for summer Olympics. By the time they aired, you already knew who won. Everything then, had already come out. And then they try to pass it off like it, like it was happening right in the moment, which it yeah. wasn't. Yeah. And in this day and age with social, you know, with the internet and all that, it's not like if you wanted to know, you already knew, right? Yeah. And, you know, unless you're an idiot, you're well aware that the, with the time zone changes, it was the next day there already. So, yeah. you know, if the sun was shining, it was 10 o'clock where you were and the sun was shining on the Olympics, it probably wasn't live coverage. Well, the the thing was, uh, they would show a lot of the trials live because the trials were of the morning. And it'd be like, okay, we're going live to the, you know, this is the swimming trials. Uh, this is, you know, the diving trials. This is beach volleyball live, which, I mean, hey, I'm all for beach volleyball. There should be one channel dedicated to women's beach volleyball for the we Olympics. We're going to talk about that, that uh, dust up in a moment. Well, we will. Jeff, uh, would you agree with me on that, though? There should be one channel dedicated to women's beach volleyball at all times. I think, would the NBC have four or five channels? They had four or five channels, and I could never find anything worth a damn. Uh, I, I wouldn't mind them being on all of them, to be honest. I'm with you. I hear, I, beach volleyball, I'm tuning in. I was, you know what, I, I watched probably more than anything, and this is sad, it's probably the, the uh, synchronized gymnastics, I guess. I don't, I don't think they're called that, but they're called something else, maybe. You know what I'm talking about when there's four or five out there on the floor? Not the rhythmic gymnastics, yeah, is yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that, and then the uh, swimming, the artistic. Synchronized. Synchronized swimming. swimming. There we go, yeah. I think, and really, I think Simone Biles not competing really took out, I guess, uh, took the, took the uh, air out of... Uh, a lot of people because they were looking it forward did. to her. So. Well, that was, no, that's only if you're an American. The rest of the world didn't care. I mean, for us, yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, we're, that's, listen, they talked about her more than the, the girls that were out there competing. So, I she mean, she stole the show one way or the other. She stole the show and didn't even do anything. You know what was so weird about it to me was, okay, regardless of how you feel about it, because that's irrelevant. If we're going with the narrative, okay, she had some some type of mental block where she couldn't picture in her head uh, her twists and stuff. So yeah, she they didn't called know it the, they the called twisties. It the they twisties. It. Okay, the twisties. I said, you know, it, and I'm sure it's a, it's a real thing, and I'm sure it's a, a real condition. They got to come up with a better name than that. <laughs> well, I would call it something like uh, sports vertigo. Something like that, yeah. Something like that, okay. So now it's okay, and she needs uh, she she's brave for not competing, and we should everybody should just leave her alone. Now let's talk about her for the next five days. <laughs> we don't want to talk about Simone Biles now. Anyway, here's Simone Biles cheering on her teammates that are competing. Yeah, or here's 37 people you don't care about telling us how they feel about Simone Biles, and it's like, okay, just leave the woman alone, for God's sake. Like it was, I don't know. Yeah, Same with poor- her. It was a bigger story than the girl, the 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 young girl from uh, Minnesota winning the all around gold, um, which I thought was. Uh, well, here it was a big yeah. deal because we the, the event that she did compete in, and I guess she got third, correct? Yes. Okay, the ca- Canadian girl finished fourth. Yes. So if she hadn't have been in it, she'd have been third. But she had tore up her uh, Achilles, the Canadian yeah. athlete, and went out there anyway. 
and people are like, okay, how do you know? I don't know where to put that. Is it brave or is it dumb? I mean, I see. Yeah, I, I, I guess if I was an athlete, I'd probably be okay. I don't know if I'm ever going to get back here. That's maybe, the thing. That's maybe the thing I got to go out here. We all know that Simone Biles is gonna is gonna be back. Okay, she's also already won more medals than she can carry. So yeah. she didn't, you know, it was no more going to be no more gratification for her one way or the other. But uh, like I watched uh, the five kilometer or no, not five kilometer, fifty kilometer speed walk. <laughs> what a what a sport! Thirty freaking miles. In the heat of Tokyo, it was 37 degrees, and they're walking out on the tarmac, or you know, a two two kilometer course in downtown Tokyo, and they're walking. And I'm like, <laughs> you want to talk? They can talk about dedication in other sports. You got to be pretty dedicated to walk for 30 miles at any speed in any conditions. And it was nuts. And the guys collapsing, the guys crossing the finish line and just piling, and they're out there with IVs. And <laughs> like, it was madness. And I thought, all of this for a gold medal in a sport that, what? That 90, nobody watches. Yes, that 99.5% of the world does not care about. Well, a bit, again. A bit, bit like being a Bears fan. Ooh, shots fired. Uh, speaking of the Bears, did you see the? Uh, did you see Justin Fields apparently went out and just embarrassed the second team? I believe they were. Uh, I believe they were like having a joint practice with with another team, and he went out and just embarrassed the second team of the other team, which I think the other team was the Jets. So, yeah. I mean that didn't, that ain't saying much. No, it was Dolphins. Okay, it's the Dolphins' second yeah. team. Well, it wasn't the second. Actually, I take it back. It says, Justin Fields dominated Dolphins in second joint practice session. So, I told you guys, I, I like this Fields kid. I think he's you talking got, about I, practice? If you're talking about practice. Now, granted, I know it's a little too early to sing his praises, and I know he's got to beat the great Andy Dalton to get that starting job. Uh, but I, I don't know. I think uh, I think he... Gingers <laughs> of the world unite. <laughs> <laughs> Dalton Power. Oh gosh, that's funny. But uh, I, before, I would think that he'll have the job. Oh, he's going to get that yeah. job. Oh time. yeah, he'll he'll be that quarterback before the bye week, I think. Unless Dalton goes out there for some un- strange reason and just tears it up, pulls a Fitzpatrick and and finds his ability to play. Well. We've seen some Fitz magic over the years. I mean, Andy Dalton might be so happy to be out of Dallas. <laughs> Maybe. Well, this coming from a Cowboys fan, uh, you know, just to get away from Jerry Jones. I don't know, be. man. Chicago's kind of uh, a dysfunctional family too, but I don't know. I think they, I think Fields will be a good quarterback. Personally, looking at that, um, but we'll see. We'll see. It's uh... now. Who did Colin Cowherd shit all over this morning? I didn't see. Uh, Colin Cowherd is a, a known idiot. He said well, something he to. He said something about that some new quarterback reminded him a lot of Johnny Manziel. Too much money, too short. Something, 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 something. Basically threw him under the bus. But I can't he remember had who it a was. Question of which cor- rookie quarterback was going to struggle the most, and I, I didn't. I had to leave. I could. 
I had I couldn't see it, but did he say Mac uh, Jones? Maybe. I don't know. I, I I'm looking to see. Apparently, uh, a lot of people are tweeting at him about Mac Jones. Must have um, been him. Again, I, I think Mac Jones. I I agree with him. I hate to say it, but I I really don't think that uh, that Mac Jones is going to be that good of a quarterback. I will admit to being wrong. With it, you're talking to the same guy that also thought that I thought Johnny Menzel would be a good quarterback. You're not. Let's be honest. Nobody really. I mean, we can look at statistics. You can watch tape. You can do all that stuff, and you can maybe form an educated opinion about some of the stuff but until a guy takes some snaps in the pros in a real game you just don't really know i will say this about mac jones if he's going to be successful he's in the perfect system to be successful um there's no doubt in my mind if he if he's going to win and he's going to be good then that's the that's the place is new england so we'll see i I do i do I, i think brady and belichick together made magic I think that that New England's got you know they've got some players. I think they're and Belichick's still one of the greatest coaches of all time. I don't care if he did have Tom Brady, the goat, but uh, he's still again it's it's one of those things. He's still a good coach, and I think they could still make something happen. The uh, Patriots are playing Washington right now in the exhibition game. The football team and. I didn't. I had the sound on earlier for a moment. You'd have swore to God it was the Super Bowl. I don't know how many people are at the game in Foxborough tonight, or if it's even in Foxborough. If it's somewhere else, I'm not sure. Football, man. But and and the announcing was like, uh, you know, three plays into the game. Well, there, the Patriots didn't have this last year. My God, Cam Newton's gonna. With all these weapons, blah, 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 blah. And I'm just like, slow your roll, guys. It's the first set of downs in an exhibition season. Like, let's not get the expectations. You got to remember, high. man. You just got to remember. Football, people are so excited for football to be back that they're going to do that. Are they excited enough to see that Notre Dame is going to join the ACC and the NCAA? Let's talk about that. Let's. Can we talk about that? I want to weigh in on this. Um, the ACC, there's rumors going around. I don't know if you guys have seen this. And again, they're just rumors, nothing confirmed. ACC uh, could potentially, like Clemson and Florida State, apparently both have uh, been somewhat interested in going to the uh, the SEC. Have you guys heard this? There was a big story about it today that it was almost that it was that the Notre Dame part anyway was a pretty much a done deal. And I kind of thought, if they were going to go to another conference, or go into any conference, I guess, in that for that matter, is that the one you want to go into? I don't know. Jeff, Jeff, what do you think on that? Well, they've already been playing a somewhat ACC schedule. I think they were playing four or five games a year from the ACC. And then they were playing the rivalries like Stanford and USC and uh, Michigan. Uh, maybe, but they, but I, you know, it's hard to tell what's going to happen. I wouldn't be surprised to see the SEC take uh, Clemson, the Florida State, maybe a Miami from a, where they how they did the Big Twelve and make this big mega conference. Uh, I don't know if 
Notre Dame going to the ACC is, I mean, it, it, I hate to say it like this, but it could save the ACC if Clemson and Florida State left. So they've been the most successful and they've if, won the championships. If, you know. if Clemson and Florida State both leave, now again, that's uh, that's not confirmed, that's rumor. If they leave, that Notre Dame's obviously one you go for. Do you guys think WVU is the other? Is that the other, the ACC grabs? I mean, it fits geographically. The rivalries are there. Virginia Tech, Pittsburgh. Um, you know, there, there's built-in rivalries there. Is that another team you grab? I, I think it would be good for West Virginia if they could do that. Because, you know, the Big 12s, I mean, the, the face of their uh, conference, both of them are gone just like that. It, it was, I mean, it was easy to do it too. I can't believe how easy it was. There was no offsuits or no. Everybody was like, okay. <laughs> yeah, even A and M ended up at first. They didn't like it, but then uh, something might have happened in between there. Because they well, I'm sure somebody, the as Rodney Dangerfield said, in back to school. Then you got to grease the local politicians, and I don't know if right. you're familiar yeah. with who runs that organization, but I'm for sure it's not the Boy Scouts. <laughs> And apparently Notre Dame can't even get into the ACC until 2025. Well, that's when all this is going to happen anyway. Now, the story I'm reading right now is basically got it down to um, they'll pick a division or conference, I guess, for you guys. That's division, conference. They'll pick it based on purely on financials. So it's going to be basically a bidding war between ESPN and NBC. Do you guys think ESPN was involved in this in, in some way in making Texas and Oklahoma want to leave? Of course they were. I mean, in, if not directly, they have indi- to be? if not directly, indirectly. I mean, they're the driving financial yeah. behind the whole thing. So, what do you think, Jeff? Uh, I mean, Texas. I believe didn't they have their own ESPN channel? There, there at one time. Yeah, they did. So they may have con- uh, played a part, maybe controlling part in it. Yeah, absolutely. I tell you what, though, Texas and Oklahoma, when they get when they play SEC teams, it's not going to be Big Twelve teams. I mean, I'm just it's, it's no. going to be different. It's going to be different. I mean, they're going. You know, you're going to big time. Smash mouth football. They're not going to be scoring no fifty or sixty points like they do against Baylor. No, no, you're. Uh, well, I mean, yeah, yeah, that's not going to happen. And and honestly, does this hurt recruiting a little bit? Maybe. I I think it does because you know the Big Twelve they did have some some good markets there in the Midwest, but now you're going to be against SEC schools and. Texas and Oklahoma, are you going to be able to compete with Alabama, LSU, Georgia? Um, you know, even even you got teams like Auburn, Ole Miss. I mean, just, they're football schools. Yeah, well, and I'm. Just it. I, th- I think that they're going to be able to. I think they'll do okay because the fact is they'll be able to say, "Hey, we're in this big conference now." They'll be able to get. They'll probably still be able to get their players from Texas and. Oklahoma and but uh, I, I you know I think it's a double-edged sword it, and, and they're going to have some time to prepare for that uh, to be able to look and 
or the extra when do they go in 24 i believe it is 24 or 25 something like that so in one hand you know i I agree with you on one hand the other hand is you know they're going to be able i mean they might even be able to tell some of the original big 12 playgrounds like uh kansas state or, or nebraska uh hey we can you're going to play in the best conference if you come here or whatever which they you know they already knew that's the best conference but I don't know. It should be. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how they do, but it, I mean, the style of football is definitely going to be different. I think that the NCAA is on the right on the edge of some major shifts, and not just in alignment of conferences. You've got the whole student athlete money thing going on. Uh, you've got. God only knows what they're going to do with the playoff and the bowl championship series and all that stuff. And I think until all of that, until we get to see a year or two of some of that stuff, I think you're going to see a hold. And I think you're going to see a change in the way scholarships are handed out. I don't know how they're going to do it. I don't know how they're going to do it or what they're going to do. But at some point, the argument is going to be made by somebody is why do my why do my dollars go to a student athlete who makes a million dollars on the side? He doesn't need a scholarship. It's not required. Let's give that to somebody who actually needs it. Now, sure, there's going to be some football players and or sports people that are still going to need one, but some of the upper tier guys certainly aren't going to. I saw some guy from, um, I think it might have been, somebody signed some kind of a deal with the Florida Panthers at the NHL. Uh-huh. $250,000. And I'm going, okay, well, that does that kid really need a scholarship? Can you, <laughs> can, can you justify that? I mean, I don't know. That's, yeah, that's I, the... Okay, I don't know either, but at some point, all this stuff is going to have to come to a head, and, and other students are going to start to complain. Okay, not only can this guy make – I mean, okay, granted, he plays sports, but he can make enough money in a year – that I'm not going to see for 10, if at all. And then you're going to pay, and then he's going to get a free ride on top of it all. Then that's not going to play very well in today's markets, I don't think. They're going to have to figure out a way to even it out a little bit because it's already lopsided as it is. Yeah. Well, so, I'll take. Well, go ahead, Jeff. Go ahead. Sorry. Uh, I, and I agree with Tim on that. And. You know what's what's going to be crazy is is some of these better college football players, maybe their junior senior years, they're going to when they get drafted by NFL teams, they're probably going to take a pay cut. I was going to say, are we going to see student athletes who don't do one and done or two and done? Because you could probably, you know, if you're really really good, you might be able to make more money. Staying at in school. Yeah, they're going to be like Eric Dickerson and Craig James of SMU. You know, they they got drafted. <laughs> they just guys got drafted, or Dickerson got drafted, and he he made less money his first year of uh, NFL than he did while he was in college. Yeah, I don't know how that's going to play out. I think it's really going to be interesting, though. Where I I think, like I said, I think NC college sports are looking at a lot of big changes in the next five to ten years. I think it's inevitable at this point. 
Yeah, you, I mean, every, it's a, they're between a rock and a hard place, you know. They can't be used. I agree that they shouldn't be using these guys' likeness. We've talked about that and stuff without paying them something. But, you know, more than likely this is going to get out of hand, and uh, they're going to have to put – I mean, they're going to have to figure out a way how to control it. Because yeah, somebody, somebody's going to have to step in. There's going to end up having to be some type of guidelines or rules or a cap on how much you can make or something because – Those are already dirty. Now it's going to get dirtier. That's right. Well, speaking of dirty, if it gets too dirty, you need to talk to our good buddy at the law offices of Stephen P. New, and uh, we'll go and, and hear from Stephen, and we'll be back after this. Personal injury, product liability, workplace accidents, mesothelioma law, social security disability, unfair insurance practices, family law, employment discrimination, and more. All this can be handled at New Law Office with Stephen P. New. It's New Law Office with Stephen P. New. You can get your free consultation today by calling 1-800-208-9169 or 304-362-7345 for your free consultation. A new level of personal service, whether you've been injured or facing divorce or experiencing workplace discrimination, you can rely on compassionate, thorough representation from New Law Office. Be sure to contact Stephen P. New Law Office at newlawoffice.com or again, get your free consultation at 1-800-203-9169. Stephen P. New, answers to your legal questions. Are you tired of the same old average everyday lifestyle and the same old job that has you making less money than what you know you're worth? Well, you should head on over to stripcamfun.com. On Strip Cam Fun, there are tons of eligible men and women waiting to perform for you, and you can join in on the fun yourself. Just head on over at StripCamFun.com where you can strip on cam and have some fun. If you get there right now, you'll get to see some of the most beautiful women, men, and whatever else your heart desires, and you can take advantage of the good times being had on StripCamFun.com. Make sure you get there right now and let them know that Wide Men Can't Jump brought you over. Because StripCamFun.com is not just for everyone. Must be 18 years of older to join in on the good times. Strip Cam Fun, be sure to visit right now. at StripCamFun.com where you can strip on camp and have some fun. Thanks again to the law offices of Stephen P. New, New Taylor and Associates. And, of course, our good friends at Strip Cam Fun. And, guys, the Field of uh, Dreams game is going on right now. <laughs> it's just it? breaking news. Jeff wants one of them hats. Jeff wants one of them hats. <laughs> yeah, they got the Field of Dreams game going on, which is uh, pretty cool. It looks The field looks really good. I, I'm quite quite fond of the field. Well, they had like, them walk out through the corn at the beginning, just like in the movie. Well, if you haven't seen the movie, though, so I guess you don't I've know. seen that clip. I've seen Watch that clip. Watch the movie tonight, Nathan, okay? Get on that. Try to give me homework? <laughs> yeah. Somebody needs to. I mean, this is like the first year in a long time where I haven't had to, like, actually go back and, and get ready for back to school. So I'm kind of, like, I'm kind of happy about that. I'm not going to lie. But, yeah, I, I do need to watch it. I haven't seen it, so I, I do need to watch well, it. So you at least, ha- you at best only have a three-year break. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, so you haven't really stopped to think about that, have you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, but anyway, uh, so the Field of Dreams game going on. Pretty cool, not going to lie. 
did you guys happen to see a lot of the big moves happening in the NBA with free agency? Uh, we we touched on um, what's the guy from the Lakers that turned down the yes. <laughs> Dennis Schroeder, in case anybody's been living under a rock, Dennis Schroeder turned down from the Lakers four years, $84 million. All right. Now he, because he said he was worth, what was it? He wanted like a hundred million or something. Yeah. 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 Uh, Dennis Schroeder, by the way, has uh, signed a deal with the, um, with the Celtics. I think it was for like six million dollars one yeah, year. Yeah, right at yeah, right at yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And he and he, and he seems to think well next year I'll get my hundred million. He ain't that. getting a hundred unless well, unless I mean he could have a career year and maybe he, he somebody's better. dumb enough to if give him that much. He's but gonna get that money. He better. Yeah. The Clipper the Clippers gave Kawhi forty three million a year. Well, I mean. Kawhi just signed a new deal. I know uh, Steph Curry signed a huge deal. Uh, Kevin Durant signed a huge deal. And apparently Brooklyn is saying that uh, they're about to ink Harden to a long-term deal, too. So they're trying to lock everybody up at this point. I don't know when sports franchises are going to learn. I mean, I'm all for paying your star players. I guess you've got to pay them to keep them at this point. Yeah. But, I mean, even Kawhi Leonard. Four more years of him? Well, I mean, would you rather have him for four more years or just uh, for two and have him leave and go somewhere else? I think I'd rather have him. I mean, I guess I, I don't know the economics of the Los Angeles Clippers. Although I do know their owner is only worth about seventy-five billion, so to him, I guess forty-three million a year is nothing. Yeah, so he probably doesn't. So he probably doesn't care about about it in that sense. He probably got that out of his uh, out of his uh, cup holders in his car. Told to, told the maid that you couldn't keep the change from out of the coach. Yeah, pretty much. But, uh, I, mean, I just don't. I don't understand. Like, okay, I mean, Kawhi Leonard's a a, a really good player. Yes. Okay, but they 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 don't they they aren't winning. I mean, they're winning, but not what they want to win. You really think the Clippers have got any shot at winning the title? Yeah. <laughs> Do you? If Consi- healthy, considering, yeah. Considering what all those other teams are doing. If healthy, yeah, I think they do. I really do. All right, so then I'll throw – fine, you can check that box. Can you check the box? Do you really think the Clippers are going to be healthy? Now that remains to be seen. (laughs) Do you think Kawhi Leonard will be healthy, or will he load manage 25 games away again? No, I'm sure he'll load manage. I'm sure of that. But, again, if you're the Clippers, you're kind of stuck. If you don't re-sign him, you've already got Paul George on this long-term deal. You don't want to go back into rebuild mode. I mean, they haven't even made it to a, a Western Conference Finals. Well, yeah, they did this year. I apologize. They made it to this to one this year. But I think they've got to, you know, they they've got to try. I, well, I guess you, I guess yeah. I mean, you got to pay somebody, I suppose. Somebody's getting paid. Why not pay Kawhi, right? Well, as opposed to like what the Lakers are doing. 
I can't figure the Lakers out. Uh, there's not enough basketball to go around for that for that franchise. Well, I read today that somebody said not only that, but that wasn't their big concern. Their big concern was that the personalities, like they said, that dressing room is going to implode by Christmas. <laughs> yeah, they they signed Mello. They've signed Russell Westbrook. They've uh, they've got a lot of personalities on that squad. And White Howard. I mean, I mean, you're right. There's definitely not enough basketball there. That's that's a fact. I don't see the Lakers winning a championship with that squad. I'm sorry. I just don't. I don't know. People can argue all they want, but I don't see it. So you don't think they'll make a run whatsoever? To... I mean. Yeah. Well, I again, think, you're looking uh, yeah. at a lot, of, a lot of ifs and maybes there, right? I mean, yeah. is everybody is everybody healthy? Okay. Yeah. Who the hell? Who the hell knows? I'm about to say, uh, Davis gets injured a lot. LeBron gets injured a lot. Um, they're old by NBA standards. Bello can't play defense to save his life. Actually, nobody on that squad can play defense to save their life, really. Uh, so, again, you're, you're kind of, I don't know. I mean, could they? Yeah, I'm sure they could. But I, I just don't see it. If I'm picking a team to win the finals right now, it ain't the Lakers. Um, that's just me personally, but there's been other moves taken as well here. Um, during the off season, I'm going to take a look at a few here. Uh, just going to run through these pretty quickly. I went through a lot last week. I'm just going to pick up where I left off and, uh, you guys can kind of chime in. If you hear a name that, that you want to talk about what we'll, we'll mention it, but, uh, don't want to go into too, too much. Cause I, I talked a lot last week. I'm going to talk a lot this week as well. Um, as soon as I get to where I left off from, we'll, uh, we'll pick up from there. Uh, let's see here. I know I left off with, uh, let me see here. It was semi Ojale was the guy I left off with, um, last week. So, yep. He signed a one year deal with the bucks. Spencer Dinwiddie did a sign and trade with the Wizards. I'll talk more about that with one of our guests here on the show, uh, Matt Moderno. He joins us here. I believe uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, that should be the name of a Southern rock band. <laughs> That's not bad. Shea Gilgis Alexander, he gets a big extension, five years, $172 million with the uh, the Thunder. Trey Young got his extension, five years, $207 million. Uh, Gabe Vincent, two-year deal with the Heat. Otto Porter signed with the Warriors. George Hill got waived by the Sixers, and if I'm not mistaken, he ended up in Milwaukee. Here's one that made me shake my head. Andre Drummond signs with the 76ers. <laughs> that one that one had me uh, confused. Oh, 76ers felt they didn't have enough discord there. So they don't yeah. have enough big men, do they? <laughs> Don't have enough guys that can't shoot free throws. Maybe they're trying to get some low management for Embiid, like during the regular season. Maybe I don't know. But, this, but, you know, they don't like each other, do they? I, mean, I don't I think I don't. I don't, think, I don't know if Embiid likes anybody, yeah. especially Ben Simmons. Uh, let's see here. Rodney, how is how is he still there? That that's another well, good he, question. 
He's still there. Who wants him at this point? For, that's got to that's got to that's got to be the the motivating factor behind behind him still being there is that nobody wants him. Well, it, for, it's for not what they, they want. It's for what, what they they're want. asking. Yeah. Like I'm sure plenty of teams would love to have him. It's just they're asking for just half a ridiculous fr- price. <laughs> half, the, half the franchise and your net, all your picks for the next decade. Yeah, so I mean, for a guy that can't shoot foul shots, who can't shoot jump shots. I mean, what do you do? Yeah, well, well, you know, he's a good defender, but I mean, are you trading away the franchise on a, a good defender? Well, yeah, like you said, I mean, if he was the kind of guy that would settle for a two or three year deal for like ten million a year or something like that, there'd be lots of teams that would go, okay, we can play him in specific sets and certain minutes where he will benefit us greatly, and then we can yank him when we need offense or whatever else. Yeah. But for what he's getting paid and what they want for him for you to acquire him. Uh, I hope his he likes, con- I hope he likes Philadelphia because he's going to die there. His contract is absurd. Like, let me, let me see if I can find Simmons's contract here. Uh, his, his contract is ridiculous. Like I, I know he signed like a max deal and he's making over a hundred million dollars on this contract. I just, it, it's, it's crazy that he's making that much money. I, I can't I can't figure out why anybody would pay him that kind of money, but uh, once I get it pulled up, I'll, I'll let you well, know. I have to assume that they felt when they did all of that that between him and Embiid, and that they would find one other guy that was going to come in there and that they were going to contend, and it's just never happened. No, no, it hasn't. Rodney Hood signs with the Bucks. James Johnson he signed with the Nets. Uh, let's see here. Just scrolling. Bruce Brown. Uh, he signs with the Nets. Nemanja Bialica to the Warriors. Rudy Gay signs a deal with the Jazz, and that's a that's a not a bad signing for the Jazz. A little veteran leadership there for them uh, at a at a forward position. Sam Decker back to the Raptors. The Heat uh, let Kendrick Nunn walk. Abdel Nader, two-year deal, back to Phoenix. Uh, by the way, Steph Curry signed a new contract. Four years, $215 million. He's the only player in league history that has uh, made two $200 million contract deals. So that's there you go on that one. Um, Patty Mills, $12 million to the Nets. Robin Lopez to the Magic. Taj Gibson's back in New York. Mello to the Lakers. We talked about that. Here was one that was interesting. Malik Monk signed with the Lakers. Yeah, I believe Wayne Ellington did too. Three point. He seven. did. Yeah, they're trying to get those those three point shooters um, out there in L.A. Because again, I've learned this over the years. You've got to have guys to shoot for LeBron James. By the way, here's Ben Simmons's contract. The uh, this coming season he will make thirty three million dollars. Next year he will make thirty five million. The year after that thirty seven million, and the year after that forty million dollars. So right right around thirty five million dollars for every three point shot he attempts. <laughs> Pretty much. That's a bargain, I saw. I tell you. There's a team right now, though, that's actually trying to make uh, a little bit of a move, and that's the Bulls. They went out and got Lonzo Ball. 
they have uh, brought in DeMar DeRozan now to go along with Zach Levine. DeRozan, they did a sign-and-trade with him for a three-year deal. Um, so I think the Bulls are going to try and make a run at it this year. Now, I don't know how good they're going to do, but they're going to give it. It's going to say a run at what? A wall? I mean, they're, they're trying, right? I'll, I'll give them credit there. I, mean, uh, I, like Lon- I mean, I like Lonzo. I don't mind that. I, mean, I don't mind the DeRozan signing either, and they've still how, got. How much does does he have left in the tank, though? I mean, I mean, I guess we'll see. I don't know. Yeah, it's, I guess time will tell. Uh, we'll see how well they gel. Didn't they, didn't they re-sign Derrick Rose to some ridiculous thing, too? Uh, that was the Knicks signed Derrick Rose. Oh, okay. Right. We'll talk about That's the Knicks in a second. Talon Horton Tucker, he signs back with the Lakers. Tony Snell's going to Portland. Kendrick Nunn, after he was released from Miami, he ends up with the Lakers. Ish Smith signs with Charlotte. Markeith Morris is going to the Heat. Alfonso McKinney, he's going to the is waived by the Lakers. Uh, George Hill again went to the Bucks. Let's see here. Uh, the guy that hit the game-winning shot in the TBT, Kiefer Skies, hits the game-winning shot in the uh, in the TBT, and then gets assigned to a deal by the Indiana Pacers. So I thought that was kind of cool. Tony Bradley like signs the, with uh, the Bulls. Go like ahead. The XFL there. A few of those guys got signed by the pros after they washed the They run. did. They did. Uh, here was another move that was kind of interesting. Kimball Walker to the Knicks. Uh, Jeff, you're a Knicks kind of guy. You like that signing? You like Kimball Walker coming in? Uh, I probably would have three or four years ago. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't hate it for them. You know, I, think- I, can't, you know, I don't know if – I was about to say it can't hurt, but maybe it can. I, you know, we'll see. I mean, they were, That was one position they were a little weak at. Yeah, he, he's uh, uh, he's going to take a run at the governorship. Yeah, we'll, we'll, <laughs> he might. <laughs> 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 Can't be worse than the, than the incumbent. Uh, John Collins, five-year <laughs> extension with the Hawks for $125 million. Uh, here comes desperation time. Hassan Whiteside signs with the Jazz. Ennis Cantor, he's back in Boston now with a one-year deal. Brian Forbes, he's going to the Spurs. Victor Oladipo agreed to a deal. He's coming back to Miami. Aaron Baines was waived by the Raptors. Uh, see any other moves of huge consent? Apparently, LaMarcus Aldridge, we thought LaMarcus Aldridge was done. Apparently, he's considering coming back to the NBA, trying to get a return going. To who? Uh, let's see. Spencer Dinwiddie then signed with the Wizards. Julius Randle, he got his New York Knicks contract extension. Four-year, $117 million contract extension. I got, breaking, I got breaking news, mate. Okay. The Washington-New England game, a stunning 7-6 at the half. Yes. But I'll tell you, Matt Jones looked absolutely Tom Brady-like when he took a knee to end the half. <laughs> Good old Mac Jones, baby. <laughs> I don't know if he did anything else, but he, he looks stellar taking a knee. Solid. Solid. I fully endorse him now. Tim, I don't know if you noticed real quick, but off the Phil of Dreams, uh, John Smoltz dressed up just like Doc off the movie. Did you see that? Oh, well, no, I didn't see that, but that's killer. Uh, here Here's... Uh... Here was a big update. The city of Atlanta rejoicing. 
Lou Williams, he is staying a hawk, baby. Magic City is still running wild. That's, that's the opposite of that crazy wrestling one where the WWE announces they've come to terms with the WWE universe. Yeah. <laughs> Lou Williams then, signs lifetime contract with Magic and then, City. And then somebody posted WWE universe is all elite. <laughs> Kelly Oubre, two-year, $26 million deal with the Hornets. Reggie Jackson got an extension with the Clippers, two years at $22 million. Shit, I thought he retired 20 years ago. God. Shut up. (laughs) You can't make me. Ah, you're right. The Warriors, they re-signed Andre Iguodala, and uh, he's back there in Golden State where he was a finals MVP. Willie Hernan Gomez, three-year deal to stay with the New Orleans Pelicans. Willie's uh, hurting Gomez? What? Yes, he is. Memphis has traded Grayson Allen to Milwaukee. Look out. It's Grayson Trippin' Allen is in Milwaukee, baby. <laughs> There's got to be some jokes there, but actually he hasn't. I don't think he's He hasn't been too bad. NBA. He hasn't been too bad. I'll give he'd him get, that. He'd get beat up in the pros if he pulled that crap. Yeah, he would. Luka Doncic, there was talk about him potentially leaving the Mavericks. Nah, he signed a five-year, $207 million deal. So uh, nobody worry about that. Luka's Luca staying put. Alfred Payton signs with the Suns. Uh, let's see anything else worth mentioning here. Schroeder, we talked about him going to Boston. Udonis Haslam, he's still playing, man. 19th year in the league. He's staying with the Heat. He spent all 19 years with the Heat. He's only played 40 games in the last five years, I believe. I know. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, you got to love professional sports, eh, where you can be, like, about as irrelevant as humanly possible <laughs> and still get millions of dollars. Yeah. Good, good job to his agent. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think it's a loyalty payment. They're just like, ah, you know, you've been nice. You've stayed here for so long and you help out here. Here's you some money. Be nice to have a Bobby Bonilla loyalty. Amen, brother. (laughs) Amen. Uh, Kyle Corver is no longer playing. He is actually joining the Nets as a player development assistant. So Kyle Corver no longer in the NBA as a player. He'll be uh, a coach now. So that's pretty cool. Here's something I wanted to bring up, though. NBA. Um, do you, any of you, um, Jeff, you'll probably remember PJ Washington, correct? Mm, yeah, vaguely. He was taken number 12 in the, in the 2019 draft, played at Kentucky. Okay. Uh, apparently, PJ Washington, uh, <laughs> there was a woman who came to his game at Kentucky. The uh, She was an Instagram model. Was yes, she? the Instagram model, <laughs> Brittany Renner. Okay. Uh, they became a couple. They had a child together. Apparently, they broke up, and the rumors have it now that, now again, this is not confirmed. This is not a, 100% legitimate, but the rumors have it that he is paying her $200,000 a month in child support. Gosh. Now, again, it's not confirmed. It is only a rumor. Uh, but, man. <laughs> well, how, how, I mean, I don't understand. 
they go by what he, I guess they would have to go by what he makes. Obviously, he only makes, he, it says here, month. he's still on a rookie deal. He's taken in 7.8 million so far as a pro and is slated to make about 14 million over the next two seasons. Yeah. Let me tell you something. That thing in between there, it's a powerful thing. <laughs> now you now you would be of course be talking about the thing between their ears and their brain right oh yes yeah that's, that's what i thought let me be more specific i'm sorry <laughs> i saw that story online and i just had to laugh i said man that's that's just that's, a- as, uh, that's as crazy as the the kelly clarkson one where they, well, she's that getting, she, heard that well, she's, well she, I mean, granted, now she makes significantly more money than her soon-to-be yeah. ex. But, uh, I mean, she's also paying $200,000 a month in spousal and child support. She also has to give up, she also give up some big, like, right off the bat cash settlement and still has to keep paying them. And I'm like, you know, how much money do you... Like I'm all for okay, you know, okay, we got married and I was worth ten bucks, and when we stopped being married, I was worth ten million, and you're entitled to a chunk of that money. Okay, I got no problem with that. I don't understand though why they should have to keep paying for years and years and years and years. I don't understand the logic behind that. I don't know that one either. She pays $195,000 a month that includes 150 grand spousal support, $45,000 for child support bringing the annual number to a whopping $2.4 million. She is also required to shell out an additional $1.25 million for his legal fees. So she divorces him, and she has to pay his lawyer to get divorced. Somehow that seems wrong. And then he wanted, uh, and she just had thrown out, he wanted... uh, her to uh, pay for the house that he lives in and and the kids private school for which she said well i'll pay for the kids private school because they're my kids but why would i want to pay his initial demand was four hundred and thirty six thousand dollars per month sheesh (laughs) now i don't know what you're feeding your kids that you need half a million dollars well not just shy of half a million dollars fruit loops are really expensive over there Apparent. I mean, I don't know. I mean, the, the that's just not fair. <laughs> I don't care what side of the fence you're sitting on. What I always laugh at is that technically that really should only be half. Like he should be supporting his kids halfway too, right? So really, they're suggesting that he really needs a million dollars a month to look after everything. Apparently, huh. Don't we all though? Uh, well, all right, let's uh, let, let's shift gears. Well, I'm sure bit. the wide men can't jump food budget is almost a million dollars. Totally different. I mean, we got. Of course. A lot of, I mean, we also spend nearly 250 grand a month on Lipitor, but that's besides the point. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's uh, let's shift gears just a little bit here. <laughs> USA basketball, you talked about the Olympics. Even after the sorriest showings that they had, they were still able to pull out a gold medal. How about that? USA basketball, man, pulling out the gold. 
<laughs> well, it was, I mean, if they lose, they're ridiculed. If they win, it's like they save face, you know. It didn't yeah. feel like, even they, even though they won, it felt like they didn't. They got it really did. Start. Like it was the most like meh gold medal of all time. <laughs> well, at least they didn't suffer the fate of the women's soccer team. Yeah, like at too. least they. Well, I mean, at least they got it together. And I mean, let's be on all seriousness on paper, they're by far the superior team, and they should have won. Well, yeah, now, they should have. Now, just because you should have won doesn't always mean that you're going to, of course, but. I mean, well, I don't envy them. They're in, like, as Jeff just finished saying, they're sort of in a... It's like a no-win no, situation. Yeah, pretty much. They lose their bums. They win while you were supposed to. So you're still yeah. kind of bums. So... <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that's that's another way. You know, and then you're always getting compared to the Dream Team and whatever else all the time. Is that a fair comparison? I don't think uh, it is. No. That, I mean, has, the, has there ever been a basketball team assembled? That would touch that one. No, not in my. It, uh, not not when it really mattered, anyway. Yeah, I I gotta agree with you. I don't I don't think so either. Gotta say the redeem team was, but nope. I, no, I don't, I don't. Well, I'll tell you what. If I've got a if I got to bet the savings account on the redeem team or the dream team, I'm betting it on the dream team every time. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I gotta agree with you there. I I, I would definitely. Uh, I would definitely go with the dream team. I, I don't Come bet on, against you got Jordan, Magic, and Bird on the same team, and um, a host of greats after that. So I'd say everybody on that team was Hall of Famers besides Waitner, I would think. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Uh, Leitner, a Duke stench. Of course, if you want to say he's a Hall of Famer in college, I guess. But, uh, <laughs> Tim, Tim and his hatred for Duke will, will not allow him to say that. No. Oh, no. Christian Leitner was a great player in college. I can say that. But that doesn't translate into anything in the NBA, and it didn't. And he's hardly, uh, the, only, and he's hardly the only Duke alumni to suffer that fate. So. Yeah, we had talked about that a while back. Let, let's look at the, uh, the roster here for the Dream Team, okay? Uh, this is a good little exercise here, and we'll talk about it. Uh, Hoff All at right. center, Bogus at point guard. <laughs> Robinson. Robinson on water. <laughs> All right, here you go. Here was the dream team. Christian Leitner, David Robinson, Patrick Ewing, Larry Bird, Scotty Pippen, Michael Jordan, Clyde Drexler, Carl Malone, John Stockton, Chris Mullen, Charles Barkley, Magic Johnson. All right. Is there anybody on that list? They're all in the Hall of Fame, aren't they, except for Leitner? I would say so. Is Chris Mullen say, is Chris Mullen in the Hall of Fame? I would say he is. I would Let me say. Let's well, I'm take not a saying look. he. Uh, yeah, I'm not saying he is or isn't. I just don't know that one for sure. I would Hold say on, yes. I'll tell you. Here. I would say yes to all the other ones, though. Uh, let's see here. Who else in the Hall of Fame? Let me go back here. I don't know the re- like. I can't remember the actual requirements to get in. Like how many years you have to wait. Uh, after you go after your you're in. Uh. Everybody on that team was great at their craft. Amol was great at three-point shooting and uh, Magic. Let's see. Magic obviously is in. Drexler. Uh, Let's see here. Barkley. Uh, I'm just trying to 
trying to feel Ewing is in. Obviously, Jordan Robinson, Stockton are all in. Pippen's in. Malone's in. Uh, Chris Mullen is a Hall of Famer, yes. Okay, quick, quick trivia for Jeff. Who was the scoring leader in the 96 Summer Olympics for the Dream Team? 96 or 92? 96. Wow. Dream I just Team looked... 2, right? 96? Yeah, Dream Team 2. Actually, Dream Team 3, aren't they? No, 96 would be Dream Team 2. Well, this year says Dream Team 3. I don't know how. <laughs> well, well, it is Wikipedia, so, I mean. That was only their second Olympics. Oh, well, maybe it was. I don't. Was know. there a dream? Was there a dream team at the World Championships or something stupid like that? Maybe. I was surprised, but I'm sort of surprised by it, by sort, but sort of not. Hmm. You know, I, I know there was some players on that. Yeah, well, I'll give I'll give you the roster. How about that? Okay. 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 Barkley, Penny Hardaway, Grant Hill, Kyle Malone, Reggie Miller. Hakeem, Shaquille, Gary Payton, Scotty Pippen, Mitch Richmond, David Robinson, John Stockton. I'm going to say Grant Hill. Charles Barkley. Hmm. Yeah, I was kind of surprised. He might have been a 982, too, probably. You know what? Um, He was. Yeah. Really? I'm kind of surprised. 18 points. Okay. Well, they probably couldn't get him off the court because he's too fat. <laughs> All right, well, let's look at the roster of the Redeem team. Now, this is the team that they say might be as good as the Dream Team. Um, I don't think so, but you got you guys be the judge. Here we go. Carlos Boozer, Jason Kidd, LeBron James, Darren Williams, Michael Red, Dwayne Wade, Kobe Bryant, Dwight Howard, Chris Bosh, Chris Paul, Tayshawn Prince, Carmelo Anthony. No. I'm taking the dream team every day of the week, twice on Sunday. There's a couple. I mean, there's some really great players. Oh, on there's that great team. players on that team. But there's uh, also there's also a couple of only what I would consider to be good players. And there's only one iffy on the dream team, and that's Leitner. After that, they're all great players, every last one of them. Yeah. Except maybe you might, I suppose you might argue historically, created Chris Mullins was only a good player. Chris Mullins. Great. Chris Mullins was actually a great player. <laughs> I mean, in my opinion, I, I'd say he's a great player. I, I'm, I'm looking at it purely like from a historical point of view. Like Chris Mullins' name isn't going to come up right away when we're talking about the greatest basketball players of all time. He's not going to be on that list. Right, well, let's look at Chris Mullins' career stats. Oh, they're probably spectacular. He's I mean, not honestly, in the, Hall of, I, he's I not in the Hall of Fame if they're not. Well, see, I don't know. I'm, I'm wanting to look. All right, so Chris Mullen played 13 seasons in the league from 85, and he retired after his last year in 2000-2001. He played the majority of them with Golden State, had a couple years with Indiana, and then played his last 20 games with the uh, the Warriors. So not a, not a bad career length. In his career, uh, he averaged 18.2 points per game. To go along with three and a half assists, four rebounds, and a steal and a half per game. Not not a bad career. And if you just look at his stats from when he played for Golden State and take away the time in Indiana, 
20 point per game score with four and a half rebounds per game and four assists. So, okay, well, let's, let's look at it this way. And he was a five time all-star. So let's, let's say comparing those rosters, let's be, let's be nice and say that Jordan cancels out LeBron. No, he cancels out Kobe. Well, whoever. Okay. (laughs) Who, who's canceling out Magic Johnson off that roster? LeBron, let's say. Yeah, we'll say LeBron. Okay. I've still who who's who's the other big names off that team, who've always been big. Not that we're big in that mo- in that moment, but we're big forever. I mean, Chris Paul's a pretty big name, uh, Mello. But I mean, again, like you're okay. I well, I, all right. So how, you got, people so you got, also forget how dominant David Robinson was. Yeah. Okay. Like, you've got Chris Paul, and, and you're using those two names, and I'm, I've got Barkley. Pippen, David yeah. Robinson, and I haven't touched Kyle Malone or John Stockton yet. Yeah, Kyle Malone, the there. second, the second most, the second all-time leading scorer. I also game. have, I haven't mentioned Clyde Drexler or Larry Bird yet either. Yeah. Yeah. Like they, you just or Patrick Ewing for God's sake, like you just can't match those two teams up. There's Ewing just no way. Was great in his prime. I mean, I mean, and. Uh, Stockton, all-time assist leader, and like you said, Malone is uh, sometimes forgotten as the second leading scorer of all time. So, and David, well, again, I think people forget, and I'll say this again: David Robinson may be the most underrated player, like maybe of all time, because of how good he was. I mean, and Malone and Stockton never get any love because they never won. Yeah. So, I mean, and I guess in the discussion of greats of all time, maybe that's important, but it isn't when we're talking about this comparison. Take a guess at, at David. Just, just humor me here. David Robinson. Guess how many times he was an all-star. A lot. Just take a guess. How now many remember, years did he, how many now years remember did he David play? Robinson did not play in when he was 22 and 23 years old. David Robinson didn't cause he had to serve in the military cause he went that's to the right. Naval Academy. David Robinson did not come into the league until he was 24 years old. Okay. David Robinson played 13 seasons. He played from the time he was 24 until he was 37 years old. How many times did he make the all-star team? 13 years he played? 13 years, 13 seasons. Well, at least, at least two thirds of them. I'm sorry, 14, 14 seasons. I'm going to go, okay, well, even the 14. So at least, at least... Two thirds of the time, so I'll go with like nine. Jeff, what do you think? If not more, I'd say it was probably around twelve. It was ten. Ten time All Star. He didn't make it his last two years in the league. Um, I have no clue why he did not make it in nineteen ninety eight, nineteen ninety nine, or ninety six, ninety seven. They may have not had. Did they have an All Star uh, game in ninety nine because of I the bet lockout? they did because of the lockout. I, I bet so they got, did. So you got robbed one of there, maybe. Oh, well, let me see. Let me see. Was there? See, I don't remember if they had one. Was there an all-star game in 19? Say, okay, he he got hosed. Was a better player on the team then. He, he was uh, hurt in '96. He only played six games. Okay, in, in all right, so he was hurt. So that's why he didn't get in there. And year. there wasn't one in the '98-'99 All-Star Strike. game was canceled due to the lockout. Yeah. Okay. So there's two of the years right there. Yeah. So two of them he was injured. He only played six games in '96-'97, '98-'99. It was taken away from him. Um, 
had he played, he was still that year averaging almost 16 points a game to go with 10 rebounds. So he would have been an all-star had they had it. So I mean, his, in his last season, he was, his last two seasons, I mean, he's on the outside of his that, career. Yeah, wasn't that spectacular. I mean, so hell, even in, in 2001, 2002, he still averaged 12 points and eight boards. I mean, that's not terrible. It's not really, it's not. No, <laughs> but no, it's not. MVP, but, like, well, I mean, that, that, that stat line uh, right now will probably get you $10 million a year. Well, 1993-94, he averaged 29.8 and 10. Uh, his second year in the league, he averaged 25 and 13. Like, people forget just how good he was. Well, and he was a big guy, too. So, I mean, his game was going to deteriorate at some point. Regardless, because it happens to all. And it's crazy that, and again, he only came into the league at 24 years old. Imagine if David Robinson could have come out at 20 and got into the NBA and played. It might have been good. Might have been good for him that he didn't. I think a lot of the people that your, you know, your younger millennials that are for the redeem team. I think their argument is. The Redeem team could beat the Dream Team because some of the Dream Team members, such as Bird and Magic, were kind of at the end of their road, and not so much with the Redeem team. Was most everybody was in their prime that was on that team. But at the same time, I still think Magic <laughs> and Bird was still. You know, I've seen Larry Bird laying. Could beat him, you know. So. Yeah, I've, I've seen Larry Bird laying on the sidelines where he couldn't move. And go in and score 25. <laughs> exactly. Walk off. Uh, let me know when LeBron does that. I'll, <laughs> I'll want to see that. Cause, Getting packed out. Well, for he, he, he does lay down occasionally during the games. But <laughs> he doesn't do much. All right, guys. I'll it's, tell you a what different we'll do. it's a different era. You can't. Really it is. Compare. It is. Absolutely. It's hard to compare. But uh, I'll tell you what. Got a couple of interviews I did. Uh, first one I'm going to go to. We're going to talk about the Washington Wizards. They've traded Russell Westbrook away or let him walk, or they did trade him. They brought back Kyle Kuzma, Montrez Harrell, a few other players, and I talked to a good friend of mine, Matt Moderno. He joins us here on the show. Talk a little Wizards. And uh, right after him, we're going to go to my good friend, Mike Iliano. He is the general manager of Team 23 from the TBT. They were the team that made it to the finals, and... um, lost on a last on the on the last shot of the tournament um and he talks about that and he talks about his experience as a part of team 23 so we'll we'll hear from mike we'll hear from matt and uh we'll be back on the other side and we'll be talking uh, we got one more segment i really want to get to and uh we'll be back after this and joining us now on wide men can't jump it is the host of the believe in wizards podcast with larry hughes and writer for the Bullets Forever, Matt Moderno. Am I pronouncing that correctly, Matt? You nailed it, man. First All right. Time, that's that's pretty good. Most people don't do that. Well, you know, I, I tend to speak slowly, so that kind of helps. But uh, A trained professional. That's right. That's why I get paid the little bucks. Uh, but, Matt, thank, <laughs> I <can> you, really... <laughs> thank you again for jumping on here and talking some Wizards. Um, they've made some moves here in the offseason, a lot of surprising moves. Let's talk with the big one first. They ship out Russell Westbrook who, to the Los Angeles Lakers in a trade. So I, I like to think that they at least got something out of him. 
I don't know how happy or sad you are, but um, I'm looking at the haul they got back, and they bring in Contavious Caldwell-Pope, Kyle Kuzma, Montrez Harrell. Um, you know, as a Wizards guy, are you happy with that? Was that enough for Russell Westbrook, or do you think maybe they uh, kind of got fleeced a little bit? I, I think prior to this season, <laughs> most teams would have looked at Westbrook as a, as a negative asset, to be honest. So uh, there was a lot of talk last year about having to, like, you know, having to attach draft picks just to get someone to take on his contract. So the fact that they got productive players, I, I don't want to say role players because maybe that uh, marginalizes what these guys actually can do. I mean, these were contributors on deep playoff runs over the last couple of years. So uh, Harold less so last year, but with the Clippers prior to that. So I think they got good pieces back guys that have standalone trade value. If they wanted to ship a few of them off or package them for another player or do any number of things, you basically took a very bad contract, despite, you know, how good of a player Russell Westbrook still is. He obviously has his warts. He is a productive player. Now they took that and broke it up into, you know, more manageable salary. Um, and, and I think that's, that's the biggest success. So I, I actually really like the move. Yeah. And I, I thought the move was really well done. I think a change of scenery was just what Kyle Kuzma needed personally. Yeah, agreed. I'm actually looking at him as potentially maybe being player, the uh, most improved player this year after the season he had, I really think Kyle Kuzma, he's 26 years old, right in his prime, really played well early on but it just kind of seems like there wasn't enough basketball to go around for him in LA he's going to get some better looks and I think he's going to fit in better here in Washington would you happen to agree with that uh, I would agree and he would also agree literally at media availability today <laughs> he said almost the exact same thing uh, I mean to, to a T just about that you know he wasn't able to show what he could really do and he had to take more of a backseat and, and now he'll finally be able to take on a bigger role. I don't know how much bigger the role here will be just because he's sort of, I don't know, maybe positionally redundant with a couple of the other forwards on the roster, but he'll have room and opportunity to go out and compete for those minutes. And, and I think he's better than what he's shown thus far. Yeah, I agree. Uh, he's the kind of guy that had showed some sparks and really was a, a good player. Just, you know, <sighs> LeBron's I'm, I'm calling it LeBron's system here you can call it what you will but the way LeBron plays basketball Kyle Kuzma did not fit in mm -hmm. that and neither did Montrez Harrell uh, Montrez Harrell was a big who comes off the bench does a lot underneath a lot of baseline cuts uh, things like that good rebounder but he's not a guy that's going to space the floor he's not going to be a five that you can hit for a wide open three but I think the Wizards needed something like that. Like they had Robin Lopez there um, for a while. What kind of hole does Montrez Harrell feel for the Wizards? Again, he's just 27 years old, too. He's still relatively in his prime. So it's interesting that you use the word hole because I think playing in L.A., people started to focus on the holes in these guys' games less than what they can actually do and what they do well. And, and Harrell is – an energy and an effort guy. And I think that's the biggest thing you lose when you ship out somebody like Westbrook is who's that high motor person that's gonna, you know, race down the floor and people like Daniel Gafford, who wasn't, you know, it, who was admittedly not in the best shape last year. You can't, you know, you can't loaf when you're chasing 
Harrell around in practice or, you know, when Thomas Bryant gets healthy, you know, gets healthy. I, I think so. There's, there's a lot of really good things he can do for you just by making you making everybody else work harder every day. So I think he's a floor raiser and a guy that, you know, you're it's a cold January Wednesday at 9 PM in Minnesota. He's still going to play hard and you don't always see that in the NBA. No, no, you don't, especially from the Timberwolves. Um, <laughs> they're my team. So I, I know I, I, that. I, that was intentional. Yeah, it was. I know it was. <laughs> but Contavious Caldwell-Pope, another addition on this roster. And I think, you know, people are, are, are kind of critical of, of KCP. Listen, if you can shoot, there's a place for you in the NBA. And that's mm-hmm. what he can do in this modern NBA. He's going to be a guy that, that can stand in the corner or come mm-hmm. off a screen and hit those shots. And I think they were kind of missing that a little bit. I watched some of the Wizards playoff run. They were missing a guy like that. I think even better yet, if you can shoot and defend <clears throat> both at reasonable levels, you know, that's that's the biggest thing this team seemed to have, you know, been missing all last year is that sort of prototypical three and D guy. Mm-hmm. And maybe KCP is a little too small to be your full-time small forward or, or whatever. I, I don't care. I, I think to your point, it's, it checks as a couple of big boxes for them. And uh, if they had two more of him on the roster, I'd be even more happy. Yeah. I mean, you got to have that guy that can knock down the three, that can end a run, that can spot up and, and you can find because Bradley Beal is going to get attention, mm-hmm. especially now that Russell Westbrook is gone. Bradley Beal, the rumors were swirling, you know, everybody keeps, it seems like the media wants him out of Washington, but he, but he have him on, on the Clippers or the Lakers. Yeah. It's like, it's like, well, Bradley Beal apparently wants to go everywhere, but at the same time, if you talk to him, he doesn't want to move. He doesn't want to go anywhere. Exactly. What, what's the future look like for Bradley Beal? I mean, you're a Wizards insider up there. What, what's he say? I think it's almost guaranteed he's here long enough to sign that big money extension because it's, you know, to his financial benefit to do that here. And then if he's not happy with the direction of of the team, he can still ask for that trade. It's not like someone's not going to trade for him because he has a longer locked in super max contract. I mean, it it won't, it's not technically a super max at this point for him. It's a 10 year NBA veteran max, but either way, um, I, I think it's just one of those things where until he says he wants out, their ownership is not going to get rid of him. And I don't think they should. I think that's a, it's a guy you build around. He's proven that he can lead the team. I think Westbrook kind of stifled his play a little bit last year. It was like I like I tell a lot of people, there wasn't enough basketball for both of them. Mm-hmm. And I think that's going to be a problem in L.A. also, but that's another story for another time. Uh, but Beal is a great player. And now I think with this roster – Instead of trying to pair him with another star and just let the two stars go to work, they're finally building around him. Would you agree with me on that? I think depth is huge, especially in a year where, you know, COVID might be a complication again. And you saw what happened to the Wizards when they were so reliant on, you know, two players predominantly. And one of them in Westbrook did not start the year very well. And, you know, you have Beal who had a cold stretch shooting the ball and, and they struggled. So if you have three or four more guys that are competent adults that can go out there and, and play reasonable minutes for you, I think that makes Beal's life a lot easier. It's a little less pressure to be at least, you know, 
1A or 1B every night. He could he could have a night where he's the third option even if he needed to. And when you look at the years the Wizards have been the most successful over the last decade, basically, it's when at least one of the backcourt members was good defensively. And that's never been Beal, and it wasn't Westbrook last year. So when you look at Wall's best couple seasons in 2014 through 2016, he was actually a good defender for that stretch. Yeah. And, and they were good. So I think if you get Dinwiddie in there and he plays, you know, at a reasonable level defensively, that allows Beal to just kind of focus on what, what he does well. Yeah, and you brought up Dinwiddie, who I thought was just a steal by the Wizards to get him. Uh, he's a guy that the Nets were, were missing badly, badly last year after his injury. If he comes back and is healthy, other than just being that good defensive backcourt player, what else does he bring? to the Wizards that makes them a threat? I think he's reasonably versatile. He's a big point guard. You know, he can play a little bit of the one, a little bit of the two. He can shoot. Well, he's not a great three-point shooter, but he is a reasonable scorer. He's a pretty good distributor. He's a decent rebounder for his size. He, he's been sort of an inconsistent defender, I would say, but he's an upgrade over who they had last year. And uh, he's, he's got the size to be able to switch on the perimeter with other, you know, other bigger wings and things like that. So I think he just gives you a little more flexibility overall. Yeah, I, I agree. And I like the addition that he brings to the team. I, I think the Wizards, I, I saw a lot of the Wizards moves and I think I told you this. I said, I think they've actually improved from where they were last year. Um, now, I don't know what that means, you know, seating wise, what we're going to see at the end of the year. Hard to judge, but I honestly believe as a team, they're going to be better. And another reason is because of this very young player who is a freak athlete, and that's Ralph Hachimura. I, I like Hachimura. I didn't think I would like him coming out of college, but I've actually grown to really like his game. Um, what does what does Hachimura do for the, the casual Wizards watcher that maybe only saw a game or two last year? Why, why should they pay attention to Ralph Hachimura? So he showed some flashes last year of, of being able to be a big switchable forward. You know, he's got the size to bang with bigger players, but he can also sort of out quick bigger players and he has enough speed to stay with, you know, quicker guards. If he has to, he's going to have to defend a little more consistently. He's going to have to be a little bit uh, less hesitant. I would say to shoot those open threes when he gets them. If you watched him play in the Olympics at all, he had sort of um, he was not bashful about putting the ball up when he needed to. So I think that's probably what they need. And anytime you saw either Westbrook or Beal, you know, miss a game last year, Hachimura was like 25, 30 points, like particularly a game against Giannis in Milwaukee where he went for like 30 plus points. And he was largely unguardable by a guy who, you know, is going to be a perennial defense of the year candidate or defensive player of the year candidate. So He's just he's gonna be a scorer and and that's never a bad thing to have a couple of. Yeah. Uh the draft happened a few weeks ago. Corey Kispert got added in the draft, a little bit older than a lot of the uh typical guys, but just a good shooter. Just mm -hmm. a, and that's why they drafted him. Did you like the addition of him to the roster so far? Granted yeah. it's early, summer league's just getting going. Probably haven't seen a lot of him, but did you like the pick when it happened? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it makes sense. You know, this is a team that was sort of desperate for perimeter shooting. And 
you can add someone that by most accounts was the best perimeter shooter in the draft. I think that's always a good move, you know, selfishly as a fan, I, I think I always like when they take slightly bigger <laughs> swings at guys that have, you know, greater longer term potential, but uh, he's more than just a shooter. He can both fall on the floor a little bit. He can uh, attack closeouts. He's actually got reasonable, you know, lateral quickness to, to guard people on the perimeter, reasonable strength to guard bigger guys. So, he's not just sort of like a, a black hole defensively, like a uh, certain six foot nine Latvian they have in, in Davis Burton. So <laughs> he can shoot and respectably defend. I, I think you'll always have a place in the NBA. So was that a little sour grapes there towards Bertans? I mean, that, that's a tough contract. If he plays like he did for the first half of last season again, and uh, you hope that there was just sort of unlucky circumstances due to COVID and he's ready to go this year. But if they get sort of, you know, what they got from him most of last year, that that becomes a really difficult contract to live with longer term. Yeah, $16 million for for Bertans, and he did not have a, a banner year. You know, as Wizards fans, hoping he goes back to what they saw before that contract was signed because he was a, a really solid player for them, really liked mm-hmm. his game. And maybe, you know, maybe some of the, the inconsistencies with, with Westbrook at the point because – Westbrook never met a shot he didn't like. Um, and I, I'm not knocking Westbrook. I, I actually like Russell Westbrook's game. It's just he's a ball-dominant guard, and, and Bertan seems like the kind of guy you got to get involved a little bit more. Yeah, it was definitely a different offensive flow than the year before. So it'll be interesting to see what a new coaching staff does to try to make him you know, have a few easy looks. Last year yeah. it was him running around screens and taking, you know, fading – 27 footers and that's just sort of not what you want from him yeah well you mentioned the new coaching staff the wizards bring in wes unseld jr son of bullets great wes unseld um talk about what that means to the organization what wes unseld jr brings to this organization now as the new coach with scott brooks being out just in a vacuum, you look at the Denver Nuggets the last couple of years and you wouldn't see uh, overwhelmingly plus defenders on that roster and they, yet they were a top 10 defense. So I think he had a very large part to do with that by all accounts. So if you have a defensive minded coach that's going to hold some of these guys accountable, which we have not seen for the last several years, I think that's really going to make a big difference. And on, on our show this week, I, I asked my, my co-host Larry uh, what he thought about Wes Unseld, and, and Wes was actually an assistant coach uh, for the Wizards while Larry was in Washington, and <laughs> he thought very highly of Wes uh, as a person, as a coach. He thought he was going to be somebody that was very well prepared and organized and uh, kind of low-key, but, you know, commands respect from players without being too demonstrative, so I think he's going to be a great fit for what they have personnel wise. And uh, I think having some familiarity with the area and the organization is to his benefit too. Yeah. I mean, that does help um, unselled again, a great coach in Denver and in Washington there. And uh, you mentioned Larry Hughes, who you get to host a podcast with. That's really cool. Um, what's it like working with Larry Hughes? I mean, that's fun. Uh, yeah. He's, he's genuinely one of the nicest people I've ever met. So Uh, That goes a long way, you know, in terms of wanting to do this every week. And you hear horror stories about pro athletes and Larry's sort of the opposite of that. And that's great. Yeah. He's he's a thoughtful, 
guy from a basketball perspective as well, too. So I think I learn a good amount every time we talk about something. So it's just been honestly a surreal experience. That's great. That's great. Well, looking at this roster, we've talked a lot about a lot of players. Is there anybody here that maybe we're sleeping on that people aren't talking about that you think will make a big impact on the roster this year? Uh, so I actually really like Aaron Holiday, who they got uh, in this trade um, from Indiana. He, mm-hmm. he was the bad one. Actually, he ended up their third string point guard last year. But he's another guy that that rates very well from a you know defensive metric standpoint. He's a almost forty percent three point shooter. So if you have a guy that's a pit bull defensively that they can bring in off the bench to pester other you know ball handlers. And he can knock down shots. I think that gives you a really, you know, solid rotation. They had Ish Smith as one of the backup point guards the last couple of years. And, and Ish did a lot of things well, you know, especially from a veteran leadership standpoint. But he's not really much of a threat from the outside. So yeah. I think this is this is a better fit. You put him next to other backup point guard, Howell Neto, and, and maybe you can play them together some. They're, they're both better defenders than I think they get credit for, and they can shoot it. So I think that's going to end up being like a really underrated pickup for them. Have you seen anything out of summer league that's uh, that you like so far? Have the wizards got to play yet? Uh, So their first game was actually postponed uh, due to several players being COVID protocols. So as of the time of us recording this, they have not played their first game. They'll be playing uh, actually Tuesday night at 10 PM Eastern. So uh, as soon as we uh, as we wrap up here, I'm going to rush my TV and, and start taking some notes, oh. I guess. But yeah, I got you. They uh, they've got some names, you know. I think one of their other draft picks, the 31st pick, Isaiah Todd, who uh, again Larry thought was maybe a potential steal of the draft, uh, was one of those people in the COVID uh, protocol. So I, I don't know if he'll actually play this first game, but I'm definitely excited to see what he can bring at some point here. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing that as well. I thought he would – I actually thought he would go a little earlier in the draft. But, uh, you know, 19-year-old uh, power forward, I mean, this day and age, that's not a bad thing. Um, yeah, 6'10", can shoot it, 7'2", wingspan. You can yeah. always use a couple of those. Yeah, for real. Uh, before I let you go, let me ask you here. Let's just look into the crystal ball. And, of course, we reserve the right to change this. As things progress in the season, this is not set in stone, but uh, Wizards, with this roster right now, are they a playoff team in the East this year? Uh, I think so. I I think they'll sort of safely make the playoffs as like a legitimate, you know, six, seven, eight seed. I mean, I guess they're, if you are seven or eight, you are subject to the play-in game now. So what's your thoughts on that? Do you like the play-in or no? Uh, I don't think I would like it if I were the seventh seed and I ended up not making the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, but, true. Uh, as a Wizards fan that saw them sort of backdoor their way in using that last year, I think I'm okay with it. I think it's good that the NBA is willing to try things and try different different tactics. How about you? How do you feel about that? I'm actually, uh, I, I kind of like it. Um, I don't know. It gives, uh, it gives teams a chance that maybe got off to a slow start. Because, honestly, you want the best teams at the time to get in. And, you know, who's to say, like, if a team is injured, do you want to see that team get in as the eight seed injured? 
Mm-hmm. Or would you rather see them, you know, hey, they missed the playoffs, they get a better draft pick because of it. Um, should they, you know, make it if, they're, if they've got injuries? No. Uh, it's like, well, early in the season they were great, but then, you know, their two best players are out. So, and it removes I, coasting. I think it makes the end of the yeah, season more meaningful. And, and it that's, does. That's good for fans. I think. It is. And it, it honestly, it's ratings were up for them last year. So as long as that's happening, I think you're going to, we're going to have it for a while. As long as the ratings are up and people are watching. As two TBT fans here talking, I think uh, yeah. experimentation is, is always kind of fun and cool. And I give them credit for at least trying it. Yeah, for those that don't know, I met Matt at the uh, the Charleston TBT. I, I, a lot of a lot of TBT connections had uh, Andrew Hayner on here last mm-hmm. week. Um, we talked a lot of TBT. I was surprised with Bayheim's Army winning. I actually thought Team Twenty Three would, would take that one uh, after what we saw. Hey, you can't get much closer than that. Uh, Team Twenty Three they skated through a couple tough ones. I, I guess it finally caught up to them. Yeah, yeah, the the Marshall game came down to the wire, and they had a good game with sideline cancer, but uh, Bayheim's Army, you know, they hit that three there right at the end, and I was watching it, and I was sitting there going, don't let that guy shoot, yep, Boy, and, exactly. then, and he shot. <laughs> he signed an NBA contract, too, five did. guard, so yeah. I think that's uh, kudos to the TBT folks. Absolutely. Um, what's your thoughts on the Elam ending? I, I know that that's the big thing with the TBT. What what do you think about the Elam ending? I'm actually all for it. I've played in enough games over the years myself, you know, where, where somebody dribbled the clock out and, yeah. and there's just not enough time to make a comeback. So I think making people have to play, you know, to the final basket is, is kind of neat. I wouldn't like it for an 82-game NBA season, but yeah, me either. If, if you did it for, you know, the midseason play-in tournament or one of these things they're talking about adding, I think that'd be a cool wrinkle. I think if they do that midseason tournament that they've been talking about, I think the, the Elam ending is perfect. Mm-hmm. I really do. I think it's perfect. I love it in the All-Star game. Makes the All-Star game a little more competitive. Totally agree. I'm, I'm wishing we could eliminate the – the ending the game on a free throw sure like i'm really not a fan of that mm-hmm. but i mean i there are ways I, I would say that we could but experimentation like you said yeah, uh why not? but I, I i'm quite the fan of the elam ending it does make for some some classic moments of course i do love a good buzzer beater That's too good. um so i mean it, i like them both yeah, there, there are pros and cons. Just good basketball is good basketball, I think. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I'll tell you what, Matt. You got a Wizards game coming up here in just a few minutes, so I'll let you go make your popcorn and get ready yeah. and uh, and get ready for that. Um, let our listeners know here, on though, and uh, where they can keep up with you and follow you and uh, find your work and listen to you and uh, Larry Hughes. Uh, so we're on the Believe Podcast Network. It's B-L-E-A-V. So our show is Believe in Wizards. Uh, we're on all the social media platforms and all that good stuff. But anywhere you search uh, Believe in Wizards, you, you can find us wherever you get your podcasts. And I think even if you're not a Wizards fan, you know, Larry gives a lot of good inside perspective on, on what it's like to be in the NBA or if you wondered why teams run 80% the same sets, you know, from, from team to team, he's yeah. got some good anecdotes on, on things like that. Well, I mean, that's the thing, talking to a former NBA player, that's got like, cause there's questions that, that I would love to ask NBA players, you know, like when you're on the road, what do you get a stipend? 
do you yeah. have you know like what well, like how does this work you know stuff like that you know just like the day-to-day life we do like a little life in the league segment where I typically try to ask him at least one of those kind of questions uh, that, that we get typically. And, and Larry loves to kind of take fan questions and stuff too. So yeah. any listeners out there, if they want to, uh, they want to shoot something his way, uh, just, just send me a note and we'll happily ask. Please do. And Matt, I really appreciate your time here and jumping on and talking with me about the wizards and uh, anytime, you're welcome. You're, you're welcome anytime. And uh we will definitely have you back once the season gets a little closer and we can talk some more and especially after summer league, maybe get your thoughts on the Wizards summer league squad. And, you know, we've had some, some great wizards guests on here before in the past, former uh, player for the, the wizards, uh, Tracy Murray was on. Oh, here there once. you go. That's a great yeah. one. Great guy. Great guy. Uh, that's, that's what I've heard. Yeah. So, but yeah, I'd love to have you back uh, real soon, man. All right, yeah, after this first Wizards-Wolves game, we'll we'll have to get together. Oh, we will. We will. We'll talk about it. All right, right, thanks again, Matt. We'll see you next time. Take care. Joining us now on Wide Men Can't Jump is a friend of mine who I met in Charleston during the the annual TBT tournament, and I sat down and talked with this gentleman for several hours, it seemed like, in Charleston. We hit it off perfectly, and I'm happy to bring him on the show. This is Mike Iliano one of the general managers for Team 23. Mike, thank you so much for jumping on and talking a little bit with us. Oh, yeah, not a problem at all. I'm happy to be here. You were actually one of, like, the most decent people I've met in West Virginia. And, <laughs> you know, I, I feel like we could build a friendship out of this. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And in case anybody wonders, how did me and Mike hit it off? He loves basketball. He loves wrestling. So, that boom, there you go. Uh <laughs> I've told people on this show, everywhere you go, it's like it's like that six degrees of Kevin Bacon. There's 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 a correlation between people that love sports and love pro wrestling. You would be stunned at how many guys we've had on the show here that are like beat writers for NBA teams or or cover work for the athletic. And you mentioned pro wrestling like, oh, my God, I love pro wrestling. I watch it every week or oh, man, that's that's great. So. You fit in here, and this it's it's been shocking, and also it's been shocking how many wrestlers lo- have been involved in the game of basketball. We've talked to Jeff Jarrett, who played some JUCO ball, and uh, Ron Fuller was a D one, uh, the Tennessee stud. He was a Division one basketball player, and you know Lance Archer was on the show one time. He used to play some basketball, so a lot of guys connected with basketball and pro wrestling. It's it's actually kind of I mean. I mean, his name's Lance Archer. He's got to be a good shooter, no? <laughs> well, I don't know if he's a good shooter, but he's a beast <laughs> on the boards and underneath. I would assume that. But currently the IWGP uh, United States heavyweight champion, so that's great for him. But we're going to talk a little TBT here. Uh, Mike, you've been involved with the TBT. How many years have you been involved working with the TBT? Uh, the TBT started in 2014, and I started – doing it in 2015 the first year i heard about it i jumped right on it so 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 what made you want to get involved when you when you heard about this was it just the money or was it something else that you were interested in no actually uh at first i I didn't think it was real i I thought (laughs) it was bs to be honest with you i'm like nobody's giving away a million dollars on a basketball tournament i actually had to call them and you know like have them convince me, yes, this is real. It's going to be on ESPN. It's a real thing. And I was running or I was help running uh, men's league out in, in Phoenix where I live now. 
Mm-hmm. And people don't understand that Phoenix is like this melting pot city. It's actually like the fifth largest city in the United States. So there's a lot of great basketball players that either reside here, whether it's naturally or they're, they moved from the Midwest or the East Coast. So I knew some guys, you know, the guy that I do it with, Ron Kadich, he won so many money tournaments, like, locally. And I'm like, you know, I know I could put together a team of Phoenix guys that has a puncher's <laughs> chance. Because I knew the, the style and the way that they played. And, you know, sometimes there's a skill set of, like, knowing who not to take, <laughs> which is, like, you know, it's, it's like this unwritten, like, GM skill that people don't understand. And we had a good group the first year, and we made it all the way to the championship and lost. So it kind of, like, organically grew from there. Okay. Well, I mean, so you started off with just a, a Phoenix-based team. What, what team were, was that in, that you uh, started with? Well, they were a group of guys that – we all knew from the men's leagues out here, but they played overseas for the most part during the year. Uh, one of them in particular was the guy named Dobbin White, who I'm still friends with. Uh, at the time, he, was, he just got signed to play for Tenerife in Spain. And the ACB in Spain is arguably like one of the best leagues in the world. And he ended up playing there four years. And people didn't know how good this guy was. Mm-hmm. He actually came into TBT 2015 with us. At the time, he was 34. And even to this day, people are telling me that was the best single TBT run a player ever had. And he was 34 years old. I feel like people kind of missed out on how good he was. You know, he, he, he was Marcus Keene before there was Marcus Keene in this event. Yeah, yeah. Well, you got involved there. So let me ask this. You're the, you're the general manager of that team and you're – general manager of other teams in the TBT as a general manager, uh, what would be your day-to-day position? Like what, what are your job? Uh, and I, and I know that you're a busy, busy guy. What's your job, uh, description? Well, basically it's no different than a general manager of any other team. Like, you know, you pick and choose the the talent, you pick and choose the coach. (laughs) So when things go wrong, you'll get the blame. I mean, you know, it, it's, it's basically no different than any other GM. Like, we're figuring out everything logistically, hotel-wise, yeah. travel-wise. I mean, this event costs a lot of money. And nine times out of ten, there's, like, little reward out of it. Yeah. So, you do this event because you love this event. You don't do it because, yeah, I want to win the money at the end. But th- the truth is, like, it costs five figures to fund it. Yeah. There are a lot of moving parts. You know, you got to get sponsors. You know, it, it, it used to be a little easier to do. Now it's become so big time that it's kind of an adapt or die situation. Yeah. Because you're dealing with, not only are you dealing with travel, because there's multiple uh, venues that you got to go to, depending on how you go. Uh, you're traveling all over the country. You're dealing with hotels. And then you got to feed these players who, uh, Let's be honest here. We all know basketball players don't eat. Um, you know, they're not lightweights. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Yeah. Uh, one for, slice of for pizza. For the most part, yeah, for the most part, they pay for their own food. Like, everything oh, really? else is pretty much covered. Okay. Yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> we're not at that point yet. I mean, I think after one of the games when we beat 
uh, Buffalo in the final four, I kind of sprung for Olive Garden for everyone. So they Olive didn't have Garden. To the streets. Yeah. <laughs> everybody, everybody went for unlimited soup, salad, and breadsticks, man. Five ninety five a person. I see you, Mike. <laughs> Listen, I. It was more about the logistics because the game ended at 11 o'clock. Yeah. And do I want them wandering the streets looking for food when they have to turn around and play a game the next day? Yeah, so I get that. It, these, are, these are the trials and tribulations of a GM, and we don't have the resources of an NBA franchise behind us. You yeah, know, if, if you gave me the, the salary cap and I could pay guys, then this would be a much more intriguing situation. Yeah. Yeah, I, w- I, w- I would agree with that. Would you say that, um, you know, the money to fund this, now does that come from your sponsorships or does that come out of somebody else's pocket? How does, how does the, where does that money come from? It comes from the sponsors. I mean, you know, you find yourself naturally putting your own money in it sometimes, but for the most part, uh, we had a company called Provider Network of America and a gentleman named Mark Dyer, who really has been more than generous over the years with us like you know he he could easily say i just don't want to do this anymore but he's he's been he's been great you know and 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 it's helped us a lot there be no team 23 without him at this point yeah so again uh mike is one of the guys that's in uh involved with team 23 i know our west virginia boys that listen to the podcast boo hiss i know i know uh (laughs) Or uh, as they say, Mike now, uh, as Andrew Hayner said, Mike now is actually the governor of West Virginia after the tournament. Uh, (laughs) His his coin phrase, not mine. Yes, of course. (laughs) But I could never be the governor of West Virginia. Trust me, you'd be better than what we got right now. But, uh, you know, I think (laughs) that you guys came in and I saw the team the first game. Um, I watched you guys. I watched the first game on TV because I was just killed that day. And I said, let me watch this game, see how they do and, and see what they look like. And I saw a team that you had built with this Team 23 that was very impressive, very long, very athletic. And you had some great, great shooters on this squad. Now, if I'm not mistaken, this squad you built this year was – kind of made up of some of the old guys from overseas elite. There was, uh, you know, just different guys that had never played together before. Am I right in that? Yeah. What, what actually happened, like the, or the organic nature of this team had a different path. Uh, I've tried to get a hold of about six of those guys before and I couldn't do it. And, and I definitely am a believer in length and size and I was kind of throwing my hands up this year because it's like, I'm not getting the guys I want. So I called up Mark Hughes and I knew he could, he could get me the guys that I envisioned to win. So a lot of this team was really him him and his doing, you know, Mm -hmm. like even though I've wanted those guys in the past, he's the one who kind of like got them in the situation to come together. So he deserves a ton of credit and, he knows how to win in this event. So it kind of like organically happened from there. And I called him up. I said, listen, I know we have similar philosophies that I don't want to come in playing gimmick ball. I think a lot of teams try to come in this event and they're one shot ponies. You know, there's a lot of teams that are loaded, talented rosters. Mm-hmm. 
but either the guys aren't engaged or maybe they don't have a GM that's organized. There's always something that kind of can hold the team back. And with us, I was kind of stunned from day one how every one of these guys kind of bought in, like, I don't care if I play 15 minutes. I just want to win. Yeah. And that's so hard for guys in their position to do. Yeah, because I think a lot of these guys that come in and play in the TVT, they're looking at the TVT as like, okay, this is my audition. This is my chance to get noticed by somebody and potentially improve where I'm playing at. Am I correct in that? Yeah. You know, it's a double-edged sword because as a GM, you don't really want that. <laughs> like, you know, like, I mean, I know for me, like when I'm doing this, I'm trying to win. And I really appreciate like you're trying to come out and focus on your career, but this is such a collaboration effort to do this that maybe just showing out as part of a team might be better for your career. You know, yeah. there are a lot of guys that come in here and just want to show out individually and you have such a short time to prepare that it's easy to fall into that trap. So like, I, I, I respect where a guy's coming from in that sense, because he's got to do what he has to do. Yeah. But at the same time, it's also like hard from our end. Yeah. Well, I know your, your guys' team was very unselfish. Uh, I did notice that when I was watching team 23 and, uh, I do want to want to talk about you guys came into Charleston. This was uh, probably, I'm assuming, your first trip to the Mountain State, West Virginia. Yes, I, I'm originally from the East Coast. I'm originally from New York, New Jersey, but it was definitely my first trip other than driving through West yeah. Virginia. Beautiful state, scenic-wise. Yeah, scenic-wise it, it is. Um, what were your thoughts? I mean, I, I want to get your thoughts on, on visiting Charleston and, and, and what you thought being here and be honest if you want to trash it trash it i it won't hurt my feelings a bit <laughs> no i i mean i guess at my heart i'm i'm a city boy whether i like to admit it or not no i understand so it's probably not it, it's probably not the place for me however i will say that going down to the mlk community center like talking to people within the community and just you know you got to kind of get different people's perspectives and maybe I went in there as a headstrong Yankee and I came out of there a little humbled. Mm -hmm. I think that's like the best way I can put it. I understand. Um, but yeah, I was, and, and you come into Charleston and you know, playing at the civic center, which is one of the biggest buildings in the state. I think it's probably the, <sighs> Outside of a football stadium, it's probably the biggest building in the state for to hold something like this. Maybe, maybe yeah. the Coliseum in Morgantown is bigger. I'm not 100, percent but um, the facilities. How, how, were were you impressed with the facilities? Did you not like them? Was there were they middle of the road? What were your thoughts on the Civic Center? I was thoroughly impressed with the facilities. So when I first got there. Uh, so there, there were games Friday and we played our first game Saturday. So I got a chance to go there Friday mm -hmm. and I ended up watching the West Virginia. Uh, I think it was like the Showtime game. Yeah. And I couldn't help but to like videotape like the Elam ending and the crowd, the crowd reaction. And I was thinking to myself, I'm like, man, if it's like this here, what is it like in Wichita? Cause Wichita is kind of like the gold standard of TBT fans right now. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I was impressed. Like, I've been to a lot of arenas in this event. 
I was really impressed with like, you know, the way the Civic Center was, the way the fans were engaged. I thought the West Virginia team and the Marshall team were good for the event in that sense. Yes. Yes, uh, the Marshall team and the West Virginia team, the hometown teams. Uh, well, let's go ahead and talk about that. Uh, you guys come out and beat the Heard That squad, the Cinderella, if you will, of last year's TBT, yeah. and they were looking to make a splash this year. You guys had one of the best games with, with that squad that I had ever seen, and I know this goes a little deeper. I know there was a little bit of trash talk on both sides. Good-natured, of course. Uh, yeah. Not, nothing bad, but there was a little talking going on. It, it, it was more of a, of a misunderstanding, and then I kind of fed into the misunderstanding. I mean, 90% of the things that happen in this world, they're just taken out of context, you know? Absolutely. And the, the Marshall – team who I deeply respect. I believe John Elmore and Jacory Williams are NBA players. Like and and they had us on the ropes. <laughs> like let's not let's not pull punches about it. They had us on the ropes in that they game. They gave you guys probably yeah the, if not the toughest, the second toughest game that you played, I think, in my opinion. Yeah. From from our perspective, and this is kind of the way that many of the GMs took it, we're all kind of a family, you know, yeah. like you know, like we're a family. We talk during the year and the way that they, I think they enjoyed wearing the black hat, like, Oh, we want to knock these teams off. And maybe we took it out of contact that they didn't want to be part of the GM family doing that. Yeah. So it kind of made this target on their back without them knowing it. So, you know, it was approached to me, you know, they, they don't say this, like, they said, well, what do you think about them saying this? And I kind of like said back, I'm like, well, we're all kind of a family and like the family wants us to beat them. So the context of them taking that as trash talk, maybe, maybe it was <laughs> like, but it's all such a mutual respect. Like yeah. seeing John Elmore play us in that game, like, I'll be honest with you. Like we faced six teams that all had stunning guards. When he got going and he got motivated, we couldn't stop him. And, and, and everybody else, I felt like we kind of had a handle on. But he is an ungodly good basketball player. He really is. And um, he's not at Summer League this year, which I think is a shame. Um, personally, that's just me. Um, but you guys gave a great game, too. Funny story after the game. I mean, I think the Marshall fans were salty, and someone said to me, "Congrats, you just beat the Marshall alumni team with three NBA players." As if he's trying to like downgrade us. But in my head, I'm like, I'm like John Elmore and Jacory Williams are NBA players. Yeah. Like, like you can't like you can't look past how good those guys are. Yeah, I absolutely. Compared them, like living out here in Phoenix. They, the way they played reminds me a lot of the Suns when they had Nash and Amari Stoudemire. They're the TBT version of the Suns, and it is very hard to defend a team like that. Well, you know who the coach of that team was, right? Yep. <laughs> Mike D'Antoni. Guess who all those guys yep. played for at Marshall? His brother, Dan. So yep. there you go. It's not uh, a coincidence. Co no, it is definitely not. Um, and then and uh, shout out to my guy Stevie Browning for a, a great tournament too. I, I love Stevie to death. I thought he played great, and uh, you know that you know I was rooting for my herd guys. I know I'm sorry, but I had to. No, you should. 
But yeah. uh, you guys, you guys played a great, great game against them. And then you come out, and I thought you played best Virginia very, very well. I thought you guys went into the Elam ending very well. Um, and I think that's where you guys dominated. Your length really bothered them. And I think that was the turning point for your guys' tournament run. Because I think once you beat them and kind of quieted the, the crowd and said, hey, you know, we just put both your teams out. And we saw sideline cancer nearly go out against the Buccaneers. Um, you guys, I think, had the confidence going forward. It's like, okay, we can win this tournament. I definitely think once we came out of West Virginia, we, we started thinking we could win this tournament. I was starting to get a little worried because after I, I left West Virginia, while everyone went home, I went to Columbus yeah. to scout. And I'm like, man, you got Dayton, Xavier, and Ohio State. And if one of them breaks through, we're, we might have to play a third road game. And yeah. I really didn't want to play a third road game. So once they were kind of gone, it was a little, it was a sigh of relief for, for me because I didn't want to have to play that third road game because the road games in this event are really tough. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I did notice that you all were able with, with your, again, just the size and the ability. I was stunned at your seating. You guys getting a six? Uh, did that affect your guys? Were they were they pissed off about that? Was that something that motivated them? No, we could care less about it. Okay, like, you know, I know. Like I, you know, all the GMs like we talk and like that's the one thing I never do to like other GMs. Like, oh, we should be this. That's why you play the game. Just get out on the floor, you know, and and just prove it that way. I mean, if if TBT would, if I was in TBT shoes based on like the last couple of performances that we had, cause we were like knocked out in the first round, uh -huh. I would have done the same thing. So like, I, I don't even blame them. Like, I, I think that was the right seating call and it played out the way it played out. Okay. Well, team 23, obviously um, I'm probably not, I'm probably not uh, solving a mystery here. A little bit of a nod to uh, his airness himself. I'm assuming. Right. Yeah, I, I kind of had a, a rough childhood growing up. Yeah. And I kind of, like, immersed myself in Michael Jordan. Even though I'm, I'm a New Yorker, my mom used to work across the street from Madison Square Garden, and I hated the Knicks. Like, I just I didn't <laughs> well, that's, that's weird. <laughs> yeah. you, you know, she would take me to games, and maybe, like, to a kid, it wasn't aesthetically pleasing to watch the Knicks because they were such brawlers. Yeah. And you're watching you're watching this artist on the other end do these things that like transcend basketball. So there was this natural rebellion of all right, this guy's tearing apart the Knicks and I hate the Knicks and I love this guy. So and it it just kind of became this thing. I became obsessed with him and like this, you know, this is before the internet. I was like notebooking everything. Like yeah. Like I, I would know like December seventeenth, the Bulls beat the Hornets by this much this day and what Jordan's lines were. You know, now all that stuff is, like, readily accessible. Yeah, yeah. But, again, you know, and, and to your point here, I grew up in West Virginia, and I caught – you know, I'm a little bit – I'm 31, so I missed out on the first few years of Jordan. I got – I did get – you know, I remember watching him and loving him when I was, you know, you know six years old 
um, was a big Jordan fan, obviously. Um, everybody loved Michael Jordan. He was universally yeah. loved by the casuals, the kids. I mean, that, that's just how it was. And many of us, myself included, still consider him the greatest player of all time. And I thought it was interesting that Team 23, you guys would would show that kind of homage to him, which is great. I mean, I still love Jordan. I mean, the only pair of shoes I ever wanted in my life was a pair of Jordan 1s. Like, that was the pair of shoes, like, I got to have them, and I got I got them upstairs. So, you know, it's like I bought them when I was an adult, and I only wear them on special occasions, but I got them. So, you know, Jordan is, is – he's not just a guy yeah. anymore. He's, he's bigger than that. He's bigger than just a guy, if that makes sense. No, he m- – much like, like Babe Ruth was this myth- mythic figure in baseball, yeah. you know, up until like the 1950s and 60s, like Jordan is having that, that feeling for, you know, a good 50 years. And he did kind of transcend the game, you know. He, he made us think differently. And, you know, you see all the stuff about him now and like you see him get emotional because it's like, I wish I could have been a better human being and I wasn't so competitive, but that's who he was. Like, yeah. you know, and, and it, and it was the price of his greatness to, to be that demanding. And, yeah. and in a way it kind of made us challenge ourselves in different ways. So like, I, I always looked at him as a huge positive influence. It's actually my dream to have him sitting on that bench and be involved in team 23. That's like what I want more than anything in the world. Well, that would be, that would be wonderful. And uh, if that does happen, uh, save me a seat on the bench. Uh, (laughs) So let's, let's talk about it. You guys went on a great run uh, in the tournament. Unfortunately, um, not the way you wanted it to end. Uh, You get to the finals, you get all the way there. The $1 million game, you're, what two points away from victory and uh Bayheim's army snatches it from you and my heart broke right there it really did because i'm sitting there and i'm i'm rooting for you guys and i'm watching it on tv and i told you know i got my family there and i'm like look there's mike my guy mike i see him over there <laughs> and you know it was just uh talk about i i, I if you can talk about that feeling uh of that happening well, to, to understand that feeling, you have to understand that this started in 2015 with the exact same scenario. We, we, we beat teams, we beat six teams by an average of like 22 points, got to the championship and lost by two. So in my head, I've always had it like, we got to get back there. Just give me one shot of getting back there, you know, and amazingly, the universe pulled out the same scenario again. Like, here you are, you're back there. And the same thing plays out. So this isn't like just like one punch in the gut. It's kind of like two punches in the yeah. gut. Yeah, yeah. And now you're experiencing it with like a whole new group of guys that you've bonded with. And it, for me, the losing wasn't the hard part. It was knowing how much the guys put into it. Yeah. You know, you know, there's, there was some guys that were really in tears and they're just average guys. They're not, you know, they're not NBA guys who can go to Cancun and decompress for two months after they lose the finals, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing, like people don't realize literally in this tournament, it is winner take all. 
It, it is. And actually, there's like this fundamental debate of like how healthy this is. Like from, from a like viewership standpoint, it's great. But the internal workings of actually like other human beings, it's like utterly tragic that it ends this way. And I've talked to so many like losing GMs and other teams. I've talked to winning GMs. And the havoc that we all kind of go through yeah. <laughs> to get to that moment, it, it, it's hard. It, it, it's hard. You, you'd almost at times like would rather have been run out the gym than have a situation like ours where we had two shots to win the game. One wide open. Yeah. Great by, look. By a, guy who, yeah, by a guy who is an unbelievable person, an unbelievable basketball player. You couldn't want it anymore for Dakari Tucker. And I felt bad for him. Yeah, and I think he shoots that shot ten more times. I think he makes he makes it ten times out of ten. That's the that's the part that wowed me is because as soon as I saw that look, I said, "This is it. This is game. That's yep. it. You don't get a better look than that." Um, and and then on the other hand, you know, you watch Keeper Sykes take a very questionable shot, but he was so perfectly aligned. Yeah. Like you could just tell like years of AAU training and being the stud that he is like the minute it left his hands, you could see it. Like, you're like, Oh, that's good. <laughs> like, just, just yeah. As away. soon as he let it go, I said, Oh no. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and again, I felt like you guys in that game also were on the road because there was a huge contingency of Syracuse fans in Dayton for that game. Yeah. You know, I messaged Kevin Belby that day on the championship. You know, Kevin Belby is one of the few GMs I never really got a chance to know. And I actually found out that his parents, like, lived, like, in Jersey, like, where my family lived. So, yeah. And I, met, and I messaged him, and I say, man, like, whatever happens, like, let's stay in touch after this. Like, this isn't, like, I'm not trying to hate on you. And after the game, I gave him a big hug, and I said, and, you know, I'm in tears, and I said to him, you know, you're unlike any other alumni team. I said, because your fans, you, you guys were the first alumni fan base to help build this event. It wasn't Ohio State. It wasn't Marquette. It was Syracuse. They were the first one to come in and their fans were traveling. And, you know, I told them, I said, look around at this, this sea of orange. You did that, you know? Yeah. So, you know, he's, to, to me, what he did with that group was very special and it needed to be recognized even at our expense in a bad moment. So, you know, it's just one of those things, you know, Keeper Sykes gets signed 10 minutes later by the Pacers. How can <laughs> you be mad at that? <laughs> like, like, you can't. You really can't. You, you just can't. Um, and watching that, uh, let me ask you this. As you guys are not an alumni-style team. You're, you know, built a different way. And, it, and the tournament's kind of built that way. You know, you guys are Team 23. There's sideline cancer. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of really good organizations and good people involved in this tournament. And then you have your alumni squads, which they're easier to root for for certain people, if that, does, if that makes yeah. any sense. Um, yeah. Do you think that it's a disadvantage that you guys are not linked to any specific college or university? Uh, it's a massive disadvantage. I mean, because, and, and it is a double-edged sword because the, the tournament at the bottom, at the end of the day needs fans. They need network effect. Absolutely. They, you know, they need people to view. They need people to come to the games. 
The only way that they can tap into that is through the alumni. However, it does create a problem in the sense that if you don't give everybody else the chance to build their network effect, they're never mm -hmm. going to build it. So the promotional aspect is always promoting those teams, and rightfully so. It's a double-edged sword, rightfully so. But you're, you're kind of pigeonholing other teams in this event. Like I, I actually contend there's about seven teams that actually draw to this event, and the, the rest of us are proxies. So yeah. to, use, to use a wrestling term, what we are to them is we're the Chris Benoit, we're the, yes. the Christians. We're the guys that will make everyone look good because of the quality of basketball. You're the carpenters. But at the end of the day, yeah, at the end of the day, you're trying to get over, you know, the Roman Reigns and the Hosses because that's better for the event. Yeah. And <laughs> I think that's like the best analogy I can give because, and it's not anybody's fault. It's just the way that this all plays out. So unless I was to attach myself with an MJ and MJ come out to publicly do it, the event probably needs to find a way to promote the rest of us better. Cause a lot of us are putting our blood, sweat and tears into this. Yeah. Yeah. That's something that I think that, that should be, should be noticed because unless you follow, you know, the TVT, you go in thinking, cause I had a lot of people when I mentioned it, they're saying, Oh, so it's just like old college teams, old alumni. And I'm like, no, it's, it's more than that. I said, there's some of that, but there's some really good players on some of these other teams. Like, you know, Marcus Keene is, is a damn good ball player. Uh, and then there's so many players, Team 23, they're a great team. And there's a lot of really, really good teams that put that are put together. And it's not just, oh, I recognize him. He played in 2012 here. No, this yeah, is and like – and to me – there's got to be a way, I don't know how to do it, unless you are able to link up, at least with you guys, linking up with Michael Jordan would instantly build you a bigger fan base. Yeah, and, and it's not just us. Like, you know, like people think this is an all-alumni tournament. It's actually half alumni. Mm -hmm. And the, the truth is, 25 of those alumni don't draw. They're not draws, unless they're in their hometown. Yeah. Unless they're in their hometown playing a game they're kind of just in the same boat that we are. They're just using the alumni name to get into that spot. So there, there's this debate now, and, and it's not just us. There's teams like Eberline Drive, who I like, love the GM of Eberline Drive, Matt Mitchell. Yeah. Like he, he works so hard on that team, and he takes it so hard when they lose. And it's, I know the work he's putting in. I know, like Billy Clapper and Sideline Cancer, like I, I actually had cancer. So to me, I actually, like, I took to Billy the first time I met him and I met Kathy mm -hmm. Griffin. And even after we beat them, I went and I hugged Kathy Griffin. And, you know, I said, there's things about this that are bigger than all this. And what they're doing is great. And it needs to be recognized. And, you know, I, I just don't know how much of it is actually getting out there. Yeah. Well, I think the tournament is starting to grow. And, and that's something yeah. that I've noticed. It's really getting bigger every year. And I think eventually it's going to be the premier event of the summer. I really do. Like it's going to be that, especially with the finals kind of going back to earlier because the finals were late this year. Um, the NBA finals yeah. normally are over by June. I think in the Olympics ha happening this year, what didn't help much either, but I think next year the TBT is going to be the thing to watch because you're going to be in that awkward time between, 
the NBA and the NFL where there's nothing but baseball. And I think the TBT is going to be must-see. And it's it's getting there. It, it really is. Every year, more and more people are tuning in and watching and coming. And like, I really believe that the TBT is on the verge of, of exploding. What, what people don't understand about the TBT is, is a lot of people, like you said, they're looking at it like, oh, it's an alumni tournament. Yeah. Actually, I, I call it the bar argument tournament. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and my theory is that if you've ever had those arguments, what if I just took a group of D2 guys and played this team? What if I took the Washington Generals, who, by the way, played in this? What if I took an NBA G League champion team, yeah. which also happened, and what, what if? It's the what if tournament. Like, yeah. You can settle these debates and you realize, Maybe the guys who are in the limelight, the, the gap is not what people think it is. And this, this tournament also, to me, shows the level of play and the level of difference from overseas pro ball versus Division One college ball. Oh, um, absolutely. Because I'm seeing – and I, I want to go back and use this team as an example, not to – not to hurt them or to shoot them down in any way, but the War Ready team from Auburn, the Auburn alumni, who were just in the Final Four not long ago. Of course, they were yep. minus a, a couple of guys, don't get me wrong, but they have come into this tournament and they've been blown out. Like, it was ugly. It was never close. And they're playing against guys that are playing overseas as pros. And it shows to me the level of basketball talent and ability that overseas professionals have and how we can't look at overseas professionals as, oh, you know, they're about like college guys, maybe a little worse. No, it's it's nightmare. No. Pro basketball no. players overseas is, are legitimate. This is what I tell people. I said, you have to think about this from a developmental standpoint. The NBA kind of has a path. They, dev- they, they draft you at yeah. 19, 20, 21, and then they're drafting you based on your potential, okay? Yeah. And, yeah, they get, they get first dibs on the best 21-year-olds, the best, you know, LeBron Jameses and Kevin Durant. But there are a lot of guys who are not going to turn into themselves until they hit 28, 29. Yeah. And by that time, you're already out of the NBA system, you know, Two great examples that actually found their way back into the NBA after playing overseas were P.J. Tucker, who just grabbed the ring, yep, yep. And, and, Pat, and Pat Beverly. Those yep. guys were are on the cusp of playing in this event. And, <laughs> you know, it, I tell people, I'm like, one through eight on an NBA roster, yeah, they're the best in the world. Nine through 15, you can interchange with almost any good American in Europe. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're not wrong, like. Any, almost all the players that are on in this tournament, especially the ones that are deep into the tournament, could easily be on an NBA roster in that you know that nine through twelve, nine through fifteen slot, um, and that's oh, what absolutely. people don't recognize. Uh, it's just a matter of luck and skill and need and right place, right time, and it it is a little bit of, of all that. So I believe, and, and then you factor in money too, like course. you know if you're if you're Tyrese Rice and you can make a million dollars a year being a star for Panathinaikos, or you're going to sit the end of the N- NBA bench making the league minimum, I don't know. That's kind of a no-brainer. <laughs> like, yeah. I big mean, deal obviously. you're in the NBA. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm in the NBA, but I'm not making enough money here. You know, you can make, <laughs> and I'm not playing. I'm not yeah. motivated. Yeah, I'm not motivated. I'm not playing. I'm watching other guys play. It's, it is kind of a double edged sword. But um, yeah. TBT. Let me. Let, we'll we'll kind of wrap this up here because I've kept you longer than I said I would. No, no, uh, it's okay. But I do want to to ask you this: when it comes to uh, Charleston, do you think the TBT will be back in the state of West Virginia? Uh, yeah, I don't see why not. I, I think outside of what they have going in Wichita. Yeah, Wichita I is think, untouchable. Yeah, Wichita is an untouchable situation for them. And they're trying to, like, why would you eliminate what the second or third best showing was from a fan perspective? And they had two strong alumni teams. I can't see why they wouldn't be back there. I could actually see them expanding back to eight regions, yeah. you know, after COVID. Yeah. And if they do that, then West Virginia is a no brainer. Okay. Well, let me ask you this. What's, uh, what's the future hold for you with, with team 23, you got to the finals <laughs> twice and you know, you almost got it, man. I mean, I feel so bad for you, but what's the future hold for you in this TBT? Is it just, you know, keep going, keep plugging away. Yeah. I mean, it, it's so hard to answer that right now because it's still like raw and fresh. I understand. You know, you guys kind of have to revisit that question in three months. What I would like to happen is there to be a network effect, to be a fan engagement. You know, maybe Michael Jordan turns it on and says, man, this is the physicality the NBA has missing, been missing for 20 years. You know, I think those are kind of my dreams with it. You know, it, I think at this point, I know we could have won it twice. Yep. So do I need to win it? No, but it is an itch that I'd like to scratch. Well, yeah. I mean, you'd obviously like to make that money too. <laughs> so I, can, I can see I, I that. Like to, I like to watch the players make that money. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Mike, I appreciate all your time here and talking TBT and just the inside workings and things like that. Um, let our listeners know where they can keep up with you at. If you, you know, if you want to throw a Twitter out there or, or anything you do, if you do any podcasts or anything like that, let, let them know. Now be the time. Uh, I actually am going to start a podcast. I met a gentleman down in Columbus and uh, I started writing some articles. He kind of liked what I wrote. Yeah. A lot of it's about like Americans that play overseas. So if you want to keep up with me, uh, there's there's a company called Nothing But Nylon, okay. which I'm going to start doing a lot of basketball content for and hopefully have podcasts and interviews upcoming in the next couple of months. Awesome. That's great to hear. And uh, if you, anybody wants to keep up with Team 23, they're on Twitter as well. You can go give them a follow. And, um, and Instagram. And Instagram. And uh, if you see any replays of any of the, the games, you'll see Mike running around with a, a clipboard <laughs> and, and drawing up plays. <laughs> you'll see me jumping around like a kangaroo. <laughs> nothing wrong with that, but – Mike, thank you again for coming on and, and talking with me. And it's always great to talk to you. And I do want to thank you and, and, and Charge and Hainer and all the guys that were at the TBT that kind of welcomed me into the TBT family a little bit. It's just some kid that you didn't know and you just randomly met and uh, you were really cool to me. So I really appreciate that. No, no doubt. You're, you're one of us. You're a fan. I appreciate it. All right. Well, Mike, take care and uh, we will talk to you again soon.
All right. Thanks a lot, brother. Thank you. If you're into comic books and collectibles, then you are going to want to check out Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC. They buy and sell comic books, action figures, pop fun codes, vintage video game system, vinyl records, and other collectibles. Retro and vintage collectibles are their specialty. They have fair and competitive pricing on all their items. Their prices will make you say, Oh my God! Currently, they run on Facebook, and they're in the process of getting their own storefront in Logan, West Virginia. Give their Facebook page a like and keep updated on new merchandise and announcements for Comic-Cons and store opening in your area. They do ship, but only within the United States at this time. Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC, where yesterday's memories are today's future. If you are looking for anything comic book or collectible-wise, you are going to want to do one thing. Assemble. And head over to Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC. Check out their Facebook page, Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC. Stay Classy Meats is your online meat market where you can get the best quality meat for competitive prices. Head on over to stayclassymeats.com and use the promo code WIDEMEN to save 10% on your order. That's right, if you head to stayclassymeats.com, you can save 10% on your order with promo code WIDEMEN, but that's not all. Not only will Stay Classy Meats give you 10% off, they're also throwing in a free pound of Montana grass-fed ground beef. Make sure you get over to stayclassymeats.com right now to check out their selection. Whether it be pork, ribs, chicken, steak, bison, ribeye, or any other type of meat that you desire, you can get it at stayclassymeats.com. They are high-quality meat that you will not want to miss out on. If you like to eat well and eat clean and eat some of the best quality product out there, Stay Classy Meats is for you. Again, head to stayclassymeats.com right now. And thanks again to Matt Moderna and Mike Iliano for jumping on the show and talking with us a little bit here about uh, Wizards basketball and TBT, and it's great to have them on and hopefully have them back soon. And uh, thanks to our great sponsors, Stay Classy Meats and uh, Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC which uh, they're starting to sell some baseball and uh, football cards. I saw they had a few card collectibles for sale, which I thought were really cool. Solid. Well, uh, last segment here on the show I want to talk about is we talked about a few weeks ago. We mentioned possibly doing this. It would be players that you would want to erase their injuries and maybe see how their career turns out. Um. I mentioned it, but then all three of us haven't been on the show in a while. So since we're all here now, we can talk about it. Uh, Jeff, we'll start with you. Who's a guy that you think of and say, man, if it hadn't been for injuries, that guy would have been something. And it could be any sport. Well, um, that's, a, that's a long list of players. Uh, I think I, and maybe in football. One that comes to mind is uh, even though he went on to still have a good career was Carson Palmer. He, yeah, uh, that's a good one. Playoff game. Uh, Steelers. Yeah, I think he threw a touchdown on the play. He tore his ACL, and uh, it was in the playoffs. The Steelers came back and won the game because obviously he had to go out. But uh, even though he came back from it, I think he might have had another ACL tear after that. But had a solid career. Um, got to it. The conference title games maybe twice, maybe at least once. He got to a Super Bowl after that, didn't he? Uh, I think they With lost. The two. Well, they, they lost. lost but... 
lost to the Panthers in the conference title game. Now, Kurt Warner took them to the... Oh, it wasn't Warner. You're right. You're right. Right. Um, right. Super Bowl. But, uh, you know, it's... Let's see. Basketball. I mean, of course, there's been running backs, too, for their ACL. And, um, you know, just Frank Gore, I think he had, too. Just think if he wouldn't have had his ACL tour... Isn't Frank Gore still in the league? (laughs) That's the crazy part. Um, Tim, anybody come to your mind? And Jeff, keep thinking. We'll come back to you. Okay. A couple of of biggies. Bo Jackson. Oh, yeah. Yeah. B1. uh, Yao Ming is another one. Yeah, that's a good one, too. uh, That's a good one. The one I always thought, like, I mean, I can give you a score in hockey, but the one that always kind of freaked me out, because I was right around, I was just like in my early 20s when it happened, was uh, Dave DeVecchi from the Pirates. Or he pitched for the Pirates and then for the Dodgers, and he got cancer, and they took out part of his shoulder. Ooh. And, and then he, but he made a comeback from that, but then he broke his arm while he was pitching. Ooh. And his arm never never healed, and then it turned out that he had worse cancer, and then he ended up. Um, they had to take, they had to amputate his arm, mm. and he never, of course, I mean, he never played again after he broke his arm. But so there, I mean, I mean that's kind of an injury, but it's also a disease too, I guess. But right. uh, but the biggie, the big one for me, and I'm Nate. This well, you'll know the name maybe was Bobby Orr had a knee injury. Uh huh. And he never – he played, I think, five or six more games after that injury. If he'd have been hurt five or ten years later, like if his career would have been ten years later, it would have been a simple six-week kind of thing, and he'd have been right back to playing. But back then they didn't have that kind of – just didn't have the know-how back then, so he never yeah. played again. But yeah. he was easily uh, the single greatest hockey player ever to play the game. Better than Gretzky, better than Mark Messier, all these other guys. Not even close. Well, I'm going to lean towards, um, obviously, Greg Oden comes to my mind. Um, one of the best uh, players that maybe could have been so much more the number one overall pick, and he just never was healthy. Um, another Portland guy I can think about was Brandon Roy, another great ball player that, that really had uh, some talent that just couldn't stay healthy. Um, and when I think about, when I think about football per se, like there's, there's always, you know, those injuries that come to mind in football as well. But like, even though he had a great career, how much more could he have had, uh, Joe Theismann? I mean, he, he was still, I think he still had some years left that he could have added to his, his run there. I mean, I don't know if you guys would agree with me there, but I, oh, I think and he was on a good franchise too. They won uh, the Super Bowl a few years after that. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Jeff, any more that you thought of that you that um, you would baseball uh, wise? I thought that he and these were like freak accidents. Uh, uh, Mark Pryor. I mean, he was running the bases for the Cubs. He was a pitcher. He his first couple of years, I believe, he won. Uh, I think he won 18 games maybe in his first year, and then the second, I think he had a good season too. Um, now a pitching coach, but uh, some of his, I think he had a ball come on, hit off his shoulder. Um, 
then he had uh, he was running to second base and ran into a fielder. I mean, just stuff that pitchers don't normally have to deal with. He did. He was in the you know, National League at the time. Yeah. So uh, I think he could have had a lot better career if it wasn't for some of his injuries. Uh, but he, uh, Tim uh, mentioned Bo Jackson. Uh, I don't know if you remember, like in 99 or 2000, they did all the sports centuries and yeah. uh, voted the best athlete. But uh, I don't know if you remember uh, Dick Schaap. He used to do sports reporters. He's dead now, but his son, Jer- Jeremy, is on, done a lot of work for ESPN. But Dick was, you know, held as a, uh, one of the best sports reporters of all time. But uh, he actually voted Bo Jackson as the best athlete of all time. Uh, I mean, how could you not? <laughs> uh, football and you know, uh, baseball. I mean, he's uh, he hit home runs off of pitchers like Greg. I think he hit a home run off Greg Maddox in the All Star game and one year. And uh, of course, he uh, ran over Brian Bosworth at the goal line. So. Yeah. I mean, you, uh, another you, guy that pops into oh, my head. Uh, I'll just throw this out there, Tim. Uh, Bill Walton, I think, is another guy. Uh, he was great in college, just, you know, couldn't stay healthy in the NBA. Earl Campbell, when you go yeah. into the, the rooms of the NFL. Uh, Priest Holmes was another guy who was great, and then just injuries caught up with him. Terrell Davis. And, and I'm kind of... A, a lot of running backs. Obviously yeah, running, running backs. backs. Yeah. In basketball, of course, Grant Hill, Penny Hardaway, those guys come to mind. Tracy McGrady, Ralph Sampson. But um, anyway, Tim, go ahead. I got two. I got two. One's kind of a, a weird one, but still true nonetheless. Uh, Jeff, you remember Mark Fidrich? Yeah. Okay. Well, that's what I mean. Look at look at his. He, yeah, he was what you know, rookie of the year. I believe he won uh, nineteen or twenty games his first season, and he got hurt the next year. Um, came back after he. I believe he uh, some to his knee. I want to say, and then he came back too soon. And he was pitching, and he said his arm just kind of went. But he had torn his rotator cuff, but that was 1978. They didn't diagnose his rot- torn rotator cuff till 1985. Can you imagine that for seven years? Like, I mean, nowadays a torn rotator cuff is surgery, and you're back the next season, if not sooner these days. But uh, he never he never pitched again after that, so... Speaking of uh, torn rotator cuffs, Chad Pennington. I mean, honestly, um, you know, I, I always give my sister a hard time over Chad Pennington, but he was he was a damn good quarterback. Goddamn pretty boy. Noodle arm Pennington. That's what we always called him. But I tell you what, man, he was the king of the dump off pass. Yeah. And he was accurate as accurate could get. Yeah. Tom Brady, like Tim said, Tom Brady turned it to Super Bowls. Chad sure. Pennington, if he doesn't tear those rotator cuffs, who knows? I mean, he was a really good quarterback. How about one from gymnastics? And it's one you all know. Mary Lou Retton? No. Now, if you're an American and you're old enough, I guess, because that happened back, I believe, uh, 90, maybe 96, 92, 96 Olympics. Who are, who are we looking at oh. here? The, the, uh, Carrie Strug, who did Strug, her vault yeah. after she had tore her uh, or sprained her ankle. She went out and took a second vault to make sure her team would win. Turned out she actually didn't need to do it, as it turned out, but she did. She never competed again. 
Her last vault was during the Olympics for a gold medal, carried off by the coach and all that kind of stuff. And oh yeah, uh, win too. Hey. Yeah, and never compete, never competed again, which is like again nowadays ankle injuries. Well, that's how you I mean, want to go out. If you're going to go out and not be able to compete again, that was the way she. The way she. Yeah, I don't. I don't know how old she was. Whether whether she could have actually maybe gone to another Olympics, I I don't know. But that I mean, yeah, I mean, but but still, I mean, that's a hell of a way to to have to check out, I guess. This but. this one may not be. This one's not an injury, but this was a career cut short due to circumstances. Lynn Bias. I think there could have been uh, could have been a great career there. Uh, and who and who was the other guy? There was two of them. There was bi- two from Loyola. Uh, oh, uh, Hank Gathers. Yeah, Gathers. Hank, Hank Gathers, right? Who turned out to be actually not all that bad, but um, yeah, I mean that's that's just a sad story of circumstance and craziness and God only knows what. I just still don't know if they really. I mean, what? Supposedly he was doing cocaine and had a heart attack. Yeah, uh, yeah. But, but there must have been something. There must have been something else wrong with him, though. Yeah, it was too- Reggie Lewis of the Celtics. Yeah, they, uh, they retired his number at the, but uh, he, uh, I think he passed out a couple times out on the court in the last time. Uh, but then uh, NASCAR-wise, there's, there's been several that stick out. Uh, because, yeah. Uh, Death. I mean, Ernie Irving, uh, Luke uh, Ernie Moore, Irving like, had some bad accidents. Yeah, and, his accidents at Michigan, man. He, <laughs> I bet he hated to go there. Oh yeah, uh, Kenny I mean, Irwin though, Jr., Adam Petty. Yeah, even though Earnhardt was, I mean, forty nine. Well, yeah. I mean, he finished second the year before in the he died in the standings, but uh, still was competing, you know. But uh, Probably one that really sticks out is, uh, and this was kind of self-inflicted, but he got AIDS. His name was Tim Richmond in the, yeah. the mid '80s. Uh, he was given Earnhardt and Rusty Wallace all they wanted. Bill Elliott uh, led the league in wins, and I think in '86. But then he had, and actually got the virus, and he was saying it was double pneumonia. Yeah. And uh, they didn't know a whole lot about the virus then, but uh, he actually won two races while he had HIV. And wow, it's bad. It's sad. He actually took a took a break and he came back and won at Pocono, maybe one of the road courses at Watkins Glen, maybe. But uh, after he gets out, you can see how sick he is. I mean, he's coughing in victory lane and he just can't he can't get his breath to talk to make the interview. But yeah. uh, anyways. Well, uh, what yeah. about before we before we check out? How about pro wrestling injuries? Well, that, I was uh, going to throw one career. more before you go to pro wrestling. Go ahead. Slots there. Are we going to be able to put Tiger Woods on that list? I think so. Is he? I think he's done, eh? I think so too. But yeah, it's unfortunate. He was already kind of winding down as far as the PGA was concerned. What he what he might have done on the senior PGA tour is another story. Don't know for sure, but I don't think we're going to get to find out. Well, uh, wrestling. I'm going to throw in obviously Magnum TA. Uh, he was going to be the next big thing had uh, the car accident not happened. That one was big. Uh, Bobby Shane would be another one. Old how about, how about one that's the reverse of that? Where the injury yeah. actually, uh, Ric Flair. The well, injury Ric Flair. Actually, the injury, though, really actually turned Ric Flair into something else. Well, same with Steve Austin. 
and he became a superstar. Yeah, Steve Austin was the same way. He got more over by not being allowed to wrestle. Uh, so, yeah, I can agree with that. Uh, obviously, the death of Owen Hart, the accident there, that one that one sucked. Um, he was probably at the tail end of his career, but he could have done a little more, I think. Bret Hart, the kick from Goldberg, that, that didn't help. Um, I don't know, there's been a few... Uh, the neck injury that ended, uh, you know, Bobby Heenan, you know, he couldn't take bumps anymore as a manager. And then, uh, Brian Pillman's Humvee wreck is another one that comes to mind. So I don't know. That's probably, just, a, just a few. It's probably a pile in pro wrestling that you don't even know about guys working hurt for a long time. And you just don't, yeah. just never gets out there. Yeah. No, that's that's true. probably true for, that's probably true for pro sports too. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of nagging injuries for a lot of guys. Absolutely. Well, guys, I mean, that's just some of the names we could think of there. Anybody want to add another one in before we uh, call it an evening? Uh, don't forget to. Uh, oh, Bobby. yes. We do want to say uh, a fond farewell to Coach Bobby Bowden, who passed away at 91. Jeff, you want to throw anything there? Uh, 14 straight years. Uh, his team finished in the top five from 87 to 2000. In there, he had two national titles. Uh, um, kind of re- uh, built a program from the ground up at Florida State. Uh, left WVU, had some decent years at WVU. Uh, if, you, if you ever watched the movie We Are Marshall, uh, they kind of give him you know, some respect there because where he helped him with film after the after the tragic plane crash they had, he uh, yeah. went up to yeah. WVU and let, he let them watch the film and have pretty much access to anything they needed. So, uh, uh, a long list of uh, players: uh, Deion Sanders, Derek Brooks, played for him uh, in the in the Hall of Fame. So, yeah, uh, Ron Simmons, Ron Simmons, uh, yeah. several. Uh, I mean, he fed the NFL with uh, talent. So he did. Yeah. So. Absolutely. Uh, condolences out to the family of beautiful Bobby Eaton as well. Uh, I mean, I, I gave a, if you listen to the in this ring podcast with me and Joe Pizapia, I do a nice little uh, tribute to Bobby there. I won't do it here, but, uh, our condolences to his family as well. Um, uh, so yeah, uh, well, all right, let's end this on a happy note. Uh, Next week, we'll be back. We'll have plenty to talk about, I'm sure. we got to start getting ready for the NFL, guys. We're going to you know, maybe go through and pick uh, as we see things now, maybe start guessing on some divisions and, and talking football. It's that getting close to that time of year. I firmly believe that we need a wide man can't jump fantasy football league. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. Uh, you know, uh, the three of us, Bogus, Nick, uh, TR, if somebody wants to run it for him. <laughs> we'll see if we can get a hold of Armando. No, we only, we only, yeah, we only need 10 guys. You know what I want? You know what I want? I want Nick Hoff versus Danielle Hoff. That's what I want. Well, you're probably going to get to see that in real life shortly. Well, yeah. I mean, Danielle said she's only uh, 400 and so many months pregnant now. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Also, uh, want to give a shout out. Saw Bogus and Beckling, man. We uh, we talked for a minute, so uh, it was good to see Bogus. Well, isn't, isn't that going to be on uh, ESPN? 
Uh, probably. Bogus and, Be- and Beckley. And Beckley yeah. yeah. And then uh, Bobby Blaze ran into him and Casey King and all the guys down there in Beckley. Had a blast down in Beckley. It was it was a hell of a time. Speaking of which, sure. let's finish that that Bogus thought. Go ahead. You see, okay, he didn't like Joe Buck, right? Yeah, I don't understand the hate Joe okay, Buck. Okay, but that was all fine. I said, oh, well, somebody must have hacked his account and didn't know Joe Yeah, I noticed you Buck. said, by the way, don't put hack. Yeah, because seven other people, I got seven other replies from, oh, if your account has been hacked, don't worry, we can unlock it for you. And I was just like, what the fuck is all of this bullshit? <laughs> oh, that's funny. Hey, Nathan, if, I don't know if you remember, you may not, but there, yeah. two months ago, whenever you mentioned who was going to be on there, I thought he would do the, I thought he would do a good job. And really, if they can get him away from Fox, they, you know. I think he would be a good one, but oh, well, that's that, done a nice job. But that's a done deal. Mike Richards yeah. is the new host of Jeopardy. Mike Richards the, uh, is the new host, and uh, the, the woman, Maya Bialik, is the yeah. Spot she's going to be doing the that. specials and uh, and the tournaments and things like much, that. With, much to the utter disgust of Twitter, who demanded that Lavar Burton somehow be the host, and I was like, okay, but I like Lavar. Yeah, okay, I liked all of them, but look at the ratings. So he had the worst. Producers going to do it. He's well, he had the second yeah. best ratings of anybody, and Ken Jennings really can't do it because he's on another show. On well, uh, Masterminds, so, isn't he? Or the Chase or something. Oh too. yeah, he's doing the the, the Chase now. Okay. He, he, well, and he are, and he is a uh, behind the like he is a consultant for the show. Yeah. So, I don't think I think it's good that it's not a celebrity. Yeah, I, I think it's, I, I think like, it's better. I, I think like it's better her. that way. And I like her as well. She's uh, she's cute in a smart, nerdy way. Well, you um, remember her from Blossom, right? No, I remember her from Big Oh, go, oh okay. Well, go go back to when she she was on a sitcom before that called Blossom, where she's a teenager. She was uh, your kind of girl. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, uh, so that's our Jeopardy talk there. But I thought Joe Buck did a good job. Don't know why people hate Joe Buck, but. I understand. Well, he's, I, a, he's a sports guy. Well, I'm not even talking about his Jeopardy host. I just mean like people just don't no, like I, him as a I sports guy I either. I, I think know. he's I think he does a damn good job. Fine to me. But so no I, no any truth to the rumor that there's an there's going to be a new NBA franchise? I haven't heard anything. The, the Clifton Heights Junkies? Oh dear God! <laughs> All right. Say good night, Tim. Playing out of the Delco Arena. Delco Arena Hair Care and Tire Center. The Delco uh, Multiplex and Heroin. And Jeff, Jeff, it's good to have you back as well. As it was. Always. It's been a few weeks. So. Glad you guys were back. Glad we could be at full strength. Sorry the episode went a little long, but uh, no extra charge. So uh, we'll see you guys next time on uh, Wide Men Can't Jump. Jeff, send us home. See you guys. Have a good night. It's been great. Glad to be here. Your having pet spader neutered comment was still the best one ever. It sounded like you were like giving a concession speech. Yeah, just it was like, thanks yeah. everybody for your vote. We're coming out. Uh, we'll try harder next time. Yeah, 2022 uh, is our year, baby. Al Gore. Uh, okay. Al Gore. Jeff Gore. I like it. That's a good. That's a good ending. Al Gore. God. Excelsior. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Wide Men Can't Jump on the Wide Men Radio Network located at anchor.fm slash WMC.
CJ. Check us out there and download our podcast directly from Anchor or subscribe on one of the many platforms where we're located, including iTunes, Spotify, and more. Thanks to our great sponsors for making this program possible, New Taylor & Associates at newlawoffice.com, Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC, located at facebook.com slash Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC, Strip Cam Fun at stripcamfun.com, as well as Stay Classy Meats, located at stayclassymeats.com. Use our promo code WIDEMEN and save 10% on your order. We hope you enjoyed this edition of Sports Talk with Nate and Tim. And we hope you come back and join us again for our next episode at the same spot you found it last time. Thanks again to the wonderful Horseburner for providing our intro song, as well as all the other content they bring out. Check them out on YouTube, iTunes, Apple Music, and Spotify. Thanks again for listening to Wide Men Can't Jump. We hope to see you back next time. For Tim, this is Nate saying so long for now, and we'll see you again on the next edition of Wide Men Can't Jump.